Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Oh, my goodness, Antonio Brown, just go play football, will you? I don't care if you don't wear a helmet. Enough already. Weren't you the guy that wanted him here, too? Listen, on September, <laughs> I wouldn't mind him here. Could you imagine if he was in Jacksonville were covering this whole thing? Oh, my oh, goodness. I, I'd probably get blocked on Twitter. Yeah, you probably, probably would. I'd probably get blocked on Twitter for the feelings that I have Antonio Brown right now. Yeah, well, yeah. And now you know why they don't go get a guy. They don't want that kind of headache. And uh, yeah. even Mike Mayock's had enough. I know. And John Gruden have had enough. So uh, Antonio Brown continues to be a distraction. But, hey, do you want 1,000 yards and 15 touchdowns? You might be able to get that, too. So he uh, he likely will make them better on the football field. you got to deal with all the stuff. There are guys in the NFL and in all sports that you say, can you please just stay home and show up on game day? He's one <laughs> yeah, of them. Absolutely. He's one of like They actually might benefit from him not being there. I know you can't have that. Mm-hmm. Hey, Ty said that to me. He's like, why do they care if he's there? I was like, well, because it's a team sport, man. I mean, you want people there. You got people, people busting their butt, Be a and he's out here worrying about a helmet from 2011. Yeah. Uh, and he's the only player in the league, by the way. It's not like there's a movement going on in the NFL. <laughs> Tom Brady even had to adjust. Like Tom Brady came out and said that, yeah, he wishes he could go back to his old helmet, but he can't, so he had to adjust with it. And that's Tom Brady. It's, I mean, uh, all due respect to Antonio Brown, but if the GOAT is moving on past the helmet incident, then you need to, too. And not only that, he also fried his feet or yeah. froze his feet <laughs> yeah. in, in cryotherapy. That was on him. Yeah. And he missed time. Here he's missing time because of that. So uh, that's Antonio Brown, uh, of course. Wow, a lot going on. Congratulations to the Jacksonville Sharks and AL champs. They did it again. That was a wild game. Might have to it take was. you through that one in balling and falling. And, uh, but good for the Jacksonville Sharks. Uh, hats off to them. Look, nice crowd on Saturday. Fantastic yeah. finish. Uh, pretty entertaining. Gonna be honest, didn't know they had onside kicks in arena football, and I'm sure we'll probably you know break yeah. that down and ball and falling. But that was uh, that was quite the sight to see. That was incredible. <laughs> yeah. It was an incredible final minute. It's like there's there's always too much time on the clock. Exactly. Uh, for whoever's winning in yeah. in, a, in arena ball, and that was uh, certainly the case. We got a game week in Jacksonville, Florida that features starters. We think it will feature starters. Mm-hmm. Miami, the Jags, Thursday night, nationally televised game. And it's almost like, thank goodness, in a nationally televised game, they decided to play some of the folks. Smart thinking. (laughs) Very smart thinking on the Jaguars part. Jaguars in nationally televised games have not been pretty over the years Mm -hmm. on many a time, including last year against Tennessee. So uh, hopefully this one will look a little bit better against a Miami team that is just okay. I've been saying this all along, man. You know... Whether it's right or wrong, and we've lived through good and bad, and a lot of bad, and good and bad coming out of August, and it doesn't always mean the same thing. The bottom line is this game will be played on August 22nd in a real football game. The next real football game, the ones that count, will be played on September 8th. Correct. Well, that's a good 16 days or so of time. And over that 16 days, the Jags will have folks like us, Trying to say, how are they going to be? What's it going to look like? They will have fans buying season tickets that haven't yet. They will have fans buying jerseys. They will have fans planning tailgates. Everything is going to be based off about a 25-minute 
the 30-minute time frame on Thursday night, the feeling will. That's what's happened here. They've put all their eggs in this basket from a perception and vibe and feel going into the 2019 season. It's as simple as that. All the things that have been happening off the field, whether it's some injuries, the signing of Nick Foles way back, the Telvin Smiths, all of that Mm -hmm. will be the latest installment is going to be a half a football at the most, you figure, Thursday night against the Dolphins. And for the next 16 days, that's what we're going to live off around here in Jacksonville. If you're yeah. a Jaguar, Jaguars fan anywhere. So, and by the way, it might be a false sense of, wow, they could be good. Mm-hmm. And it might be a false sense of, oh, look out, this could get ugly in 2019. But the bottom line is, either way, whatever happens, whatever they look like, whatever Nick Foles looks like, Leonard Fournette looks like, this defense looks like, that's what we're going to go off for 16 days. And that's what Doug Marone has done here. And I don't think he cares about this part. But I'm just saying that's the the trickle-down and domino effect of resting guys for the first couple weeks. This game, you don't have any other reference point, and we're going to live off that. I like the matchup a lot here, Brent. And listen, I'm not sure how many starters the Dolphins are going to play. I'm just going by what what I've seen the Dolphins so far, especially their last game against Tampa, where all things considered, it was a sloppy game, kind of rainy. But you know, I kind of watched it a little bit, scouted because that's the thankful thing with the NFL Network. They always, you know, they have like the replay of those games. So put it on the DVR, watched a little bit, and I'll say this: if the starters play on defense for the Jacksonville Jaguars, that defensive line, you better change the TV rating to TVMA because <laughs> the defensive line, Brent, could wreak some serious havoc. On the Miami Dolphins quarterbacks, especially, it seems like they're interior. Now, their their tackles are just okay for Miami Dolphins, but their guards right now are a super liability. And I'm, I'm not sure if you really game plan that. If you're Todd Wash, I don't know if you just kind of have like those base formations out there, those base defenses, or if you actually treat this game like it's almost like a game week and you actually expose the weak points in that guard play, uh, it could get super ugly for the offense of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, well, Miami's not very good. No. I mean, they're not. Uh, they they might have some pieces and try to start building this thing back up, but they're not very good. So uh, I think uh, more to the reasoning of, again, right or wrong, people are going to put a lot of stock in this game mm-hmm. and how the Jaguars look. It would be nice if they look businesslike. You know, yeah. that's that's the way I, I don't think they need to look great. You don't need to go, you know, 12 for 15 and, and all this. Stuff. You can look businesslike, though, you know. Mm-hmm. There, there's something to that. And I think especially with a veteran quarterback, a veteran defense, and quite a bit of experience now on this team. There's a lot of youth, but there's still quite a bit of experience. I think to look businesslike on Thursday night would be a good thing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, we're going to talk a lot of Jags, uh, what's happening this week down at Jags headquarters. They are getting healthier. And I think this goes back to, again, because we don't have a lot to go on from game those guys playing in games, we've spent a lot of time talking injuries, and there's been a lot of panic around here about the offensive line and other positions. Well, they got healthy over the weekend. You know, guys coming back to practice, including offensive linemen, Marquise Lee going back out there for the first time, which is a really cool story, and we'll hear from Marquise Lee. And I think we've kind of slept on this story a little bit. People don't understand how devastating of a knee injury that was. It looked bad. It was bad. And it's pretty cool to see him even back on the field. I like Marquise Lee. Yeah. I got, he smiles with the best of them man and uh, he's worked his way back i i will say what i've said all off season 
I don't know how much you can count on him the first eight weeks of the year. I think it's going to kind of feel he's going to have to feel that out. He's going to feel the knee out. He's going to have to grow trust in the knee. He's going to have confidence. And I just don't know how productive he will be if he'll even be ready to go in the first couple of weeks. But I do think the back half of the year, if he can stay healthy, I think he will continue to grow and contribute. And I think he might have himself a nice second half of the season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's very good to start and see like all the players start to get healthy and everything. Because what's been the biggest, I think, storyline of this this whole training camp is that Doug Marone's loosened the reins. You know, like they're they're actually they're, it's like club med out there. You know, they're not practicing hard enough. Well, we got teams like you know we have teams like the Chargers who lost Derwin James for the season. We have teams like the Jets who that was in a practice lost too. their yeah who lost their leading tackle tackler Avery Williamson for the season. And Adam Gates even came out and said, and this is kind of weird by the way. Head coach Adam Gates comes out and says that he regrets keeping him in so long in the preseason games. So we have major injuries like that. You know, on other teams in the NFL. You look at the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. Armstead, I think, is back uh, fully now. The offensive line seems to be all intact now. Um, the only major injuries are Josh Oliver and uh, Quincy Williams. And yep. uh, that's about it. So all things considered, I mean, the, the most important part to me, Brent, is that they're all healthy. You know, now, knock on wood, we'll see what happens in this preseason game. I don't want to set them up for failure here. But all things considered... You have to like at least the health of the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. Absolutely. We're going to talk a lot of Jags, of course, all week long. Uh, I'll, I'll be in Miami ahead of that game for a couple of days, in fact. Uh, we do have a little college football to get to. It's yeah. college football week, and I do want to tell you, if you're just jumping in, and uh, I'll remind you throughout the show, but the fellas down in the Action Sports Jacks TV department have been working hard, and uh, that is August. That is what we do. That's what we love. Uh, more local sports than any uh, TV, I think, in the country. Uh, if you want to go uh, put us up against anybody, uh, forget about locally. That's that's okay. Uh, but nationally, uh, more local programming than anybody. I mean, we do on CBS 47 and Fox 30. A lot of credit to the boys down in the department. Uh, uh, Marcel Robinson, Stuart Weber really getting after it right now because we got an hour show tonight on college football. College football kickoff. And we're going to go all around the state. I mean, if you can name a football team in the state of Florida, we're probably going to touch on it cool. to some degree tonight uh, with a heavy local twist. And uh, 8 o'clock, CBS 47 tonight. But it is Florida Gators, Miami Hurricanes week. And that's real. 150th yeah. season of college football. The AP poll came out today. No different than the coaches poll for the top 10. And this is a game that will feature a program that thinks it's found itself in Florida against a program looking to find itself. And it's yesteryear, if you will, yeah. in Miami. Story of this game, and I like it. It's going to be the Miami defensive line taking on the young Florida Gator uh, offensive line. You know, um, I think when you compare the quarterbacks, Felipe Franks has some experience now. You know, I'm not ready to call him a Heisman candidate quite yet, but compared to what Miami has right now, uh, I, I like Franks a lot in that game. Now Vegas, I forgot what Vegas has this Seven. game at. Seven right now. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's actually surprising, man. Yeah. If you think about the momentum each has, and if you really take a look at what Miami has and what they might not, you know, you never really know what anybody has right yeah. now. They have a good deep. Their front seven's good, led by two linebackers, Michael Pinckney mm -hmm. and uh, Shaq Quarterman from the Jacksonville area. That might be as good as any linebacker duo they've had at Miami. 
Think about what I just said there. Yeah. That's saying a lot. <laughs> saying a whole they're bunch. at least in the conversation. I'm mm-hmm. not saying they're better than those guys, but the duo of those two from this area are fantastic football players. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why Vegas has kept Miami in the game because of their defense. Sure. But they might not score much. I mean, they, we don't know what Miami will do offensively. I'm shocked it's only a seven point game yeah. in favor of Florida. And especially when you have a quarterback leading the helm for Miami who has lack of a better word, zero experience playing in a real college football game. You know, and when you go from high school, I don't care how big a high school you play at, I don't care if you play in Texas, wherever you play it at, it's a different atmosphere, Brent, once you get up to the, the college levels. And uh, it's going to be a big crowd there. I'm sure a lot of pressure on them. I like Florida, and I like Florida by a lot. Yeah, we have uh, Gators talk. We have Canes talk. Uh, Miami home and home uh, with the Gators in Miami now for 2024, 2025. Some people didn't like a tweet I put out there. We'll see if you liked Uh-oh. it or not. Uh, Florida State, I visited Tallahassee yesterday. So plenty of interviews in the next couple of weeks leading up to Je- uh, Florida State against Boise State here in Jacksonville. Obviously a huge game. For FSU. Mm-hmm. Again, that you'd say, yes, they should win. Yes, this is Florida State. I know it. But we saw Florida State last year not look like Florida State. And uh, should have an interview today with Andrew Baselli, uh, Tony's son, of course, who's back in the fold at Florida State. And uh, caught up with him yesterday. And can you imagine running an offense without a playbook? That was really the big story. Uh, and it has been the big story around Kendall Bryles and... Uh, the new offensive coordinator in Tallahassee. More on that a little bit later on. So we got a ton to get to. A lot of fun, a lot of big things happening over the weekend, including Bill Walton. Should there be a mercy rule in baseball? Even a little NASCAR. And Sean McVay might have changed the game again. Let's talk Jags when we come back. That's how we'll start off a Monday on a game week against the Dolphins. Next on ESPN 690. A little puppy trading. Yeah. Here's the great. Uh, there's like um, visuals in my mind sometimes. Okay. Oh man. Yeah. And I I don't know why. I don't know if all people are like this. I mean, I'm a little goofy, admittedly. So, like Paul Puzzlesny, for example. Okay. He has a little girl. Yeah. Like his baby. Yeah. And it's just like. I visual I, the pulp of Leslie I know is ripping running backs' heads off, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then holding a little his little girl. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yep. And it's like, and we had him on. Obviously, he loves being a dad and all this stuff. Exactly. And it's just. Uh, by the way, this is no, nothing to do with Kenny being a good. All this stuff. It's just more like the visual in my mind is. No, you of go course. From, you go from this. Yeah. To this. And honestly, the first time I got to see Puzz in that situ uh, that like kind of that situation was when he retired. He had his retirement um, ceremony yeah, yeah. there, and like he, I think his little girl kind of ran up when he was giving a speech, so he picked her up and <laughs> That's everything. Right. I'm like, That's right. Dang, okay, I see you, Puzz. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. it's kind of it's just odd to me. It's like yeah. it's just this weird thing that. This is how I knew him, and yeah. like I'm sure our parents are that way, and maybe I'll be that with the, our kids. Like, sure. hey, that's like Brent. Like, I changed his diapers, and now he's got his own kit. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that happens to adults too. Yeah, but uh, in just like normal people like us or yeah. me. But when you say puppy, oh yeah, I, I'm picturing six foot six former football player, MMA guy <laughs> tr- chasing a, around a little dog. Pretty much, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was traving. We were chasing. So basically, what happened was. Uh, we we went to you know puppy obedience class uh, at the St. John's Town Center. I, I think I forgot what the what the place was even called, but we had a puppy obedience class. Uh, it was me and my wife, and then my son Ronan. So we have a four year old who can't sit still, and then we have a puppy who just wants to play and bark, and then we have my wife and I. And it was uh, 
it was a long hour. It was a strenuous hour, <laughs> but thank I think we got some things uh, accomplished there. So, but it was a hey, stress city. So, to how say long do you have to do this now? That, that's not like a one time no, deal. That's like a couple it's, months. Yeah, it's like a four uh, four week kind of program. And what are you training this thing to do? So, what <laughs> this thing? <laughs> uh, you know, kind of the basic commands. I mean, he's truth be told, he's really uh, he's really disciplined. I mean, he I, I tell him to sit, he sits, and everything like that. It's just uh, more about just listening, you know, because like he's he's a French bulldog. I guess French bulldogs are super stubborn. They're very smart dogs, but they're stubborn. So just trying to break them of some bad habits there. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Ronan and the dog doing all right. Oh yeah, they're doing great. Well, the, the, see, the big part was is like they gave us a clicker. So every time the puppy did something good, you have to click and say good job, you know, good job, good job. So you know, tell him to sit, click it. Well, then Ronan wanted to click, so then Ronan's just clicking it when the puppy's not doing anything right, and then we're teaching him bad habits. And then Ronan's running around with the puppies, and I'm like, you got to chill out, dude. And it was just, yeah. Like I said, it was an hour of stress, but it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's amazing how the little things in life can stress you out. It's just how we do in the lane household. But I know, man, like that was like the most stressful part of my whole week, and it wasn't even that stressful, to tell you the truth. That's so. uh, living a good life. Right? It is, That's man. a good thing. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's uh, talk uh, a little bit of Jags. What's uh, a few days out? We don't know how long guys are going to play, all that stuff. Uh, Doug Marone usually will announce that uh, Wednesday. Or he doesn't really even announce it. He comes up with the uh, decision making. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's got a plan in his mind, but we all we all get it. And what do you want to see happen on Thursday night? Uh, do you need Nick Foles to get in touch with his receivers? Do you need six carries out of Leonard Fournette and maybe a catch out of the backfield? Uh, or are we overthinking it and you really just need five offensive linemen that can block somebody? <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's start out with Fournette. I mean, if Fournette does play. Great. Uh, I'd like to see him for one drive tops. Um, I think Fournette is a guy when he's healthy, you pretty much know what you're going to get with him. Now, he may fit kind of a different piece in this new offense. Uh, you may see him in the passing game a little more, and if you know they throw a pass to him, fantastic. But all in all, I know what Leonard Fournette's going to give you, I think, during the regular season. Uh, the offensive line, I mean, I'd love to see a healthy offensive line. I'd love to see the starting lineup that's going to play against the Kansas City Chiefs out there against the Miami Dolphins. That would be fantastic. And especially, and I, I kind of mentioned this a little bit last week, Brent, this is a, a Miami defense who, all things considered, they don't generate a lot of pass rush from their front four, okay? They they do a lot from defensive schemes, and they're not going to give, you know, the, the in-depth in defense that they're going to run this year, but they might throw some tricks and stuff that, you know, Foles and company are going to have to identify. So from that perspective of identifying the blitzes, seeing where the blitzes are coming from, is the linebacker going to blitz or not? I mean, I'm excited for the Jaguars offense there because they will get some different looks. And I want to see Foles, um, I want to see where the chemistry is at between Conley, uh, Chark, and the other receivers, and D.D. Westbrook as well. And I want to see him put a couple drives together. I really do. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Uh, even uh, in the good play or better play, should we say, of Gardner Minshew the other night, nothing really sustained from a drive standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, they they scored from point blank. That was their only touchdown. So I do think uh, it, it, there is some value in it, although I, I will – and I will say this until now, my grave, as long as I'm here in Jacksonville talking about the Jaguars, I've seen it so many different ways. You can't really put actual stock into it, what it means on September 8th against the Kansas City Chiefs. You just can't. But I do think it's more about feeling, vibe, confidence, all those things, a little swagger, building that swagger. This is an offense that could build swagger. I mean, John Filippo talked today again, uh, but he said it in the past. He's like, he wants that swagger, man. I mean, he's offensive play callers are like that, especially mm-hmm. young guys. You know, the, the older offensive play callers with the glasses on their nose and the and the pencil in their ear, you know, they, they, they are more like... 
tacticians. Yeah. You know, but the younger guys, they, they want to walk loud and proud, man, and say, I'm smarter than you and, and we're better than you. And, and I think he's trying to, and I don't say that in a bad way. I just think that's what you got to be. You got to be confident on offense. We're going to go score every single time against you. Yeah. Give us the ball so we can score again. And it's just something that around here hadn't been the case. I mean, even when the Jags put up great numbers in 17 on offense, which gets overlooked. They were really good from a statistical standpoint. They scored, I think, like 26 a game, which was fantastic. I mean, if you can do that, you're going to win a lot of football games mm-hmm. in the NFL. But it still was It was almost more like, oh, my gosh, they did it again. Yeah. It was never like, here's what we're going to do. And exactly. you saw it with Kansas City. We've seen it for decades now with Tom Brady. You see it a bit even with Aaron Rodgers. They might not even be that great on paper sometimes, but you think he's going to score. So I think if they can get a little bit of that feel, and they're not going to be those three offenses I just mentioned, mm-hmm. but if they can get a little bit of that feel, you build some of that now, and they might be able to even impose their will in a couple of drives and get the heck out of the game. If you have two good drives, get the heck out of the game. You don't even need to be there. Doug Marone sees what he wants to see, yeah. and you stay healthy, and you go sit on the sideline until September 8th. Especially from the quarterback position. you know, like I, I want to see Nick Foles make some great passes. I want to see him smile, celebrate. I want to see him get his confidence up. And I get it. It's the preseason, but listen, last night I was watching the Seahawks taking on the Vikings and the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, the, the commentators were saying this. Supposedly, Russell Wilson was absolutely irate that he didn't play in the first preseason game because he's never missed a preseason game, I guess. Uh, the, the, the first, second, or third weeks. So I guess he hey, Russ. That one doesn't go on the bust in Canton, buddy. Yeah, well, they don't put saying. that one yeah. on the uh, resume. But, but I guess he's storming to Pete Carroll's office and said, listen, I, I need to play a lot preseason game two because I have to build my confidence. I have to get my rhythm going. So I understand every quarterback is different, but there is something to be said about building the confidence, getting on the rhythm, making sure you're on the same page, especially in a new system and, uh, and a new quarterback throwing a new wide receiver. Well, think about it this way, too, right? The outside noise since last... October, whatever, against Kansas City. Yeah, that first month was pretty good. Mm-hmm. But it took a sharp dive in early October when they went to Kansas City and five turnovers. And it was like, oh, you know, people believed 0-1 in the second quarter of the year more than they believed 3-1, and even though it was four weeks mm-hmm. versus one week. Yeah. And that's what happened. And then ever since then, obviously, the slide, the injuries, the Bortles, the change to the quarterbacks – and even this offseason, the, the lack of trust for maybe your best offensive player in Leonard Fournette. Uh, there, from an offensive perspective, there has been very good, very little good juice <laughs> on that side of the ball. And uh, it really is, if you believe in something on that offensive side of the ball, you believe two things. One, Nick Foles has a good resume. But I don't know what it means for this year. Mm-hmm. And you believe Leonard Fournette's good or can be good if he's healthy, but he can't stay healthy. So even your positive thought goes to a negative thought. That's just the way it is. So yeah. they feel that, too. You know they do. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you've been in those locker rooms. It gets there, when, especially when you have 15 months of it. Mm-hmm. So or I guess it would be 15. It would be like 11 months of it. Um, so I think that's why any kind of good stuff. Is is okay stuff right now to feel, uh, even though it might be a little bit, um, uh, it, it might not be reality, mm-hmm. you know, when the regular season rolls around. South Beach Gary already mad at us here on a Monday. I was going to try to build his anger about uh, this this preseason game with the Finns against the Jags, but I think we hit him. Here we are. Hit him in the heart right away. What's up, South Beach Gary? 
Yeah, you guys made me laugh. You're ripping the Dolphins when you got a Jags team that scored a grand total of 10 points in two games, and the defense had to set the offense up at the seven-yard line, and they didn't even score until fourth down. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Hey. And you're ripping – and no one's looked worse, Austin, than the Jags in preseason. Nobody. Not even Arizona has looked worse than the Jags have looked. Hey, this is – by the Two's way, threes. Nobody. this is the true tale of it's a couple of teams, teams that have really mm-hmm. struggled. We're arguing over preseason success. Yep. Well, my my God, the Dolphins didn't play their, their starters the whole way either. Ten points in two games—that's pathetic. Yeah. What's uh? What's a what's come uh, on, Austin? What about ripping the Jags? How we, about a little honesty? We kind of do that your, every day. I mean, we do it a little analysis. bit. Honestly, my analysis—it was the twos and threes. My, my honest analysis. The Jags' offensive line—they can't block anybody. My okay. You want to talk about the Dolphins' offensive line real quick? Because, once again, we're talking about the Jags offensive line who hasn't played together a lot and the starters haven't really played at all. What are, what are the Dolphins' excuses against the Buccaneers? Games. How many points did the Dolphins score in two games? How many sacks did the Dolphins give up against the Buccaneers? Five, six? How many points did the Dolphins score in two Gary, games compared to the Jags? Answer the question, man. I don't even know. I didn't watch a Dolphins game. Who cares about sacks? I care about points. Gary, you're, you're, complaining, you're comparing the offensive lines when I'm telling you that starters haven't played for the Jacksonville Jaguars yet. What what is the Miami Dolphins' excuse right now? The Dolphins haven't played starters hardly either. Oh, Gary, the Dolphins have played starters now. Uh, Austin, your skill position, you got a Wilson, Stills, Gusecki. Gary, Greg, I'm talking you, about the anybody line, on the Jags. Anybody on the Jags that's accomplished anything that those guys have accomplished in Gary, the NFL? You just said. That, that, is the, there anyone? Gary, you just said the Jaguars' offensive line isn't playing well, and I told you they haven't played their starters yet. And I told you the Dolphins' offensive line isn't doing good at all, and their starters have been playing. So what is the Dolphins' excuse? That's what about points, Austin? That's all I care Gary, about. Gary, you're, you're sitting here talking about the Jaguars' offensive line, saying they're trash and they're bad. Okay, they haven't played their starters yet. Once again, I'm going to ask you. The Dolphins starters have played the offensive line. They played them against Tampa Bay. I watched that game. What is the excuse of the Dolphins offensive line right now? Because the Dolphins do not have a guard to play. The Jags may have the worst collection of skilled players in the NFL. Gary, they may be 32. We're talking offensive line here right now, man. One step at a time, please. <laughs> hey, uh, you, one last you thought. Rip? I'll break you guys up. The uh, What's the thought on Rosen? After watching him the first couple of weeks. Seriously, I, this isn't uh, digging on the Dolphins, at least he for the moment. He looks a lot better than Cashew, whoever the heck the guy's name is. For Jacksonville. Minshew. Come on, Cashew. You're making Run me hungry. Minshew. Come on, South Beach Gary. All right, we'll talk more to you about the Dolphins over the rest of the week. I mean, you're and so fired 24 up. 24 Gators 10. What, Canes? What is it? Canes 24, Gators 10. Don't worry about the, the Canes starting quarterback, Austin. Flippy Sparks. He's nothing. Uh, the Gators, you talk about offensive line. What about the Gators' offensive line, Austin, trying to block Miami's front? You didn't mention that. Still trying to figure out what's up with the Dolphins' offensive line, man. Yeah, yeah. Until we answer what that I question, we can't move on. What I didn't realize is you got him on the Canes, too. You said Florida's going to blow him out already. Ah. Uh, there you go. All right, South Beach Gary, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good day, and uh, maybe then he'll be over it so he can give us the song of the day. See, he got thrown off today. Didn't even do that. First of all, it's, it's going to be the Gators' offensive line versus the Miami Dolphins' defensive line, which I, mean, I think is kind of a big matchup. Miami uh, Hurricanes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello. And then, yeah, I, I still want an explanation for the Dolphins' offensive line. That's, that's all I want. You know, like, don't don't call in the show and then make a comment about the offensive line, and I ask you a question, 
and you can't answer the question. Okay? I mean, yeah, we can talk about wide receivers and all this, but hey, if you make a statement, ask you a question, and this is to all the callers out there, just answer my question and we can move on. A little college football talk. Maybe right. even Gators and Canes. Next on ESPN 690. Justin Fields named the starting quarterback at Ohio State. I guess no surprise there. Uh, Jalen Hurts, starting quarterback, Oklahoma. No surprise there. Today was starting, name your starting quarterback day. <laughs> Nick Foles. Nick Foles is the starting quarterback in Jacksonville. I think what's interesting is, and I was in Tallahassee yesterday, Florida State has not named the starting quarterback. And... <laughs> I think there is a 99% chance in my mind it's going to be James Blackman. Go ahead and up that for me a little bit. I'm yeah. going to go 99.9%. I thought I think it's such a foregone conclusion that I realized this after the fact that I had this mentality that it was that we you know you could go talk to a bunch of guys yesterday at media day. Yeah. I didn't even talk to Hornybrook. <laughs> Which might be a mistake. Yeah. But no. I was like I mean even some of the players by the way in our interviews, hey, that's QB one. Yeah, that's QB, that's, that's our guy. No, it's it would be absolutely ludicrous to imagine Alex Hornibrook as the starting quarterback of the Florida State Seminoles. Yeah, all right, well, it would be ludicrous, Brent. Once again, there's a good vibe coming out of Tallahassee. We'll talk a little bit more Florida State because I have an interview with Andrew Baselli, and I also want to play if we can get him uh, with Coos a little bit later on. I want to play you two sound bites mm-hmm. when it comes to the QB situation, and I think. Kendall Bryles kind of gives it away in the way he's saying things, you know, uh, who the quarterback is. I okay. think you, you, that's me. Okay. I want to see if you agree. Is he, is is he going to play a little game? Is he bringing like race into the mix here? Is he talking no. about like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> but you never know. No, he's talking skill set. What okay. makes each, what's the, what's the strengths of each guy? That kind of thing. I'm sure and, one's a better runner than the other one. You know, no, listen, the book on Blackman is not that he's a well, great runner. Yeah. Stop stereotyping. I am stereotyping a little bit. I, th- um, I think he's a better runner than Hornybrook, though. He might be that. Yeah. But uh, but it's not his game. Yeah, I hear you. You know, mm-hmm. that, which has always been interesting with the Taggart offense and even, you know, this, I think he wants a dual threat guy. Mm-hmm. They don't really have a dual threat guy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and he didn't last year either. Uh, a guy like Francois, um, who... He wasn't really a willing runner yeah. either. So it, it's kind of been a weird marriage in that regard because I think this day and age, of course, everybody wants a guy that can maybe use your feet a little bit. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not great at it, you yeah. don't have to be like the, the 50-50 guy, yeah. but you want to be able to do it. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about college football uh, uh, now. There was Florida and Miami will meet, and Florida will – and Miami also agreed, according to Brett McMurphy over the weekend – uh, for 2024 and 2025 to play a home-and-home. Home. And that is kind of rivalry renewed. So I think Gator fans like it. I think Cadence fans like it. There's tradition involved with it. When that got put out there, I tweeted and Uh-oh. said something to the effect of, are the Canes an easier opponent in 2024-25 than, say, a UCF would be? Here's my Will Miami be an easier opponent than, say, a UCF for Florida in 2024-25? And people didn't like that. Some of the responses. 
Well, so Some Tim said this tweet is wildly underrated. Oh, no, he was talking about another response. Sorry. Well, you're, you're basing this whole thing off of here, Brent, that UCF is rising you yes. know, as far as recruiting, the yes. talent, and that the U, um, for years, have, have you know, I mean, when's it going to come back? When's the resurgence going to happen? It hasn't really happened yet. So yeah. you're saying... You, the U has had a couple of splashes, but they've been pretty stagnant for the better part of a decade and a half. Okay. Um, and, with the comments. And, and I'm not, and by the way, I, this isn't a knock on Miami necessarily. It sounds like it is. I get it. Yeah. And this is, uh, uh, once again, I'll say this because everybody assumes around here that everybody in the media is a Florida Gator fan. Not true. Not a Gator fan. Yeah. Not at all. Not mm-hmm. an Olds fan. Not a Dogs fan. Not a Canes fan. Not a Knights fan. Although I'm, I'm quickly starting to wave the UCF, uh, yeah. flag. Yeah. I think I'm going to jump in on that and go it's all in. It's kind of a fun bandwagon to get yeah, out of, Yeah, I think it? I'm going to go all in yeah, on it's UCF. it's like a hot new thing. I think it would be kind of fun, especially reading some of these tweets. <laughs> uh, Josh says, look at the trajectory of both teams. There's a reason Florida is signing deals with Miami. Eh, so he kind of agrees. Jason says, questions like that is why you're not a sports anchor in a major market. Ooh. Man, shots fired. Yeah. First Coast Bubble says, it's a fair question. I don't see anything wrong with it. The system said, give me a break. Isn't Jacksonville kind of a major market? No. I mean, it's nah. a big one. Okay, okay. Sorry. Nah, I mean, we're just small time here. Dang Definitely it. Portland uh, says, uh, dumb tweet. You will find out how, quote, easy the Canes are in a week. Like, that's the thing he said. <laughs> you will find out. I'm not a Gator fan. Uh, Tyson said, <laughs> Tyson, Tyson was confused. Care. said, think that was a jab at UCF, thinking Florida was ducking them, not saying Miami and UCF are comparable. <laughs> no, it really wasn't. I do think there's, a, there's potential for them to be comparable. Mr. Tennessee says, Providence raising coming out. Stick to the Sharks breakdowns. <laughs> hey, Mr. Ten. Is, is uh, he be a lucky that I didn't, yeah, Be lucky I didn't oh, include so the balls in this. Right now, then? They should be out of the SEC right now. Wow. Speaking uh, of hype, yeah, when, when is Tennessee going to turn around? <laughs> Every single year. So Tennessee is here to do something new. Watch out for them. Yeah, it's the same stuff. Kyle says, the Miami hate continues. Garcia says, nope, because Miami's going to win the national championship before 2025. Okay. Jesse says, UCF has finished inside the top ten. Three out of the past six seasons. Miami won the Russell Athletic Bowl. Uh, Chris says they're both the same. And Scott said, definitely. UCF versus UF would have been a great game. The Gators will crush the Canes, though. Uh, it, and here's the thing. I have, I'm of the belief. UCF, I think, is here to stay. I, I think they've got a good plan. I think they have good. their administration is great. I'm a huge fan of Danny White. I don't know if they're going to have to replace coaches mm-hmm. all the time. That's the one little carrot there. That's the asterisk because the more you do that, the, that means the more likely it is you'll miss on a guy and then it, you bring the program back down. Yeah. But Scott Frost to Josh Heupel has seemingly been a pretty good transition. Yep. They're getting more and more good players in there. They're stealing some good players that even have more stars than some people would think would end up at a UCF. They are right smack dab in the middle of the state. They're in a perfect, perfect location. And the one thing that would make this undoubtedly correct for me is if they got an invite to a Power 5 conference. If they go to a Power 5 conference, I'm convinced UCF can fight to be the best program in the state of Florida in college football. You hear that? The best. Like better than Florida, Florida State, and Miami. Now, I'm not saying that will happen. I said they could contend to be. Yeah. And right now, they're the second best program in the state. Florida State's not better than them right now, as Mm -hmm. it sits. Miami's not better than them right now. Florida, given the rankings, given last year, certainly is. But two years ago, we weren't saying that. We were saying UCF was better than them. Yeah. So, I just don't think this is as... This is not a knock on Miami. I've always been a big fan of Miami trying to get back. The problem is college football fans can be so traditional and so stuck in how it used to be that 
Miami is not going to be that that they're it's like trying to get Tiger Woods to be that Tiger Woods. It's yeah. not happening. Mm-hmm. That does not mean Miami can't be good. Yeah. It doesn't mean Miami can't be a force on the uh, on the national level. But I think it is a fair question to wonder: Is it going to happen in Miami? And is UCF almost better situated? To roll off more wins, be more impactful, even steal wins over the Miamis of the world, the Auburns like they did in the bowl game, and have those kind of impactful wins. I think UCF is in that conversation. And again, I'll say it again. If they were to get invited into the Power Five, they'd be no doubt in that conversation. In fact, I'd wave the flag and buy a bigger one. Yeah, listen, I'm not upset with that tweet that you put out because you've made some pretty good points there. And to me, Miami's always that team, you know, like... When is the U coming back? I mean, I thought when Randy Shannon was the co- when the head coach, I thought he was bringing the U back. He gets fired. Al Golden comes in. Eh. And then all of a sudden, Mark Rick comes in and, listen, I'll give it to Miami. They had a good season 2017. Yeah. Wisconsin came in, beat him in the Orange Bowl. <clears throat> Not a big deal. But all things considered, you still haven't seen that resurgence yet. And I compare him to Texas where everyone every single year, Texas is the team, you know, that's going to have the resurgence. They're going to come back to the old days. Haven't seen it from Texas yet, and we dang sure haven't seen it from Tennessee yet. And UCF, man, rising. Yeah, I mean, listen, USC has had some tough times, and teams do that. Alabama had a tough stretch, you know, Yeah. before they did all this. Yeah. And before before that, they had done many things. Well, Tennessee, though, Brent, I think I was in middle school when Peyton Manning was doing well in Tennessee. It's been a while. It's been a while. And ever since Miami joined the ACC, they've been pretty darn average. Yeah. And we come back, how about a little balling and falling early on a Monday? This collision I ever had was like two years ago, I think. Um, me and Miles Jack, we were just running like an ISO play, and we just f- collided. And uh, you know, kind of get your head bounced back, seeing stars. And I look at them, felt like my head was like just a totally different shape. We're like, <laughs> you dab each other up. And then I, I end up running off the the field, and I take off my helmet. I'm like, I said, checking, making sure my head's not like a different shape. Uh-huh. Turn my face mask around, and it was just f- caved in. Got to keep that. So that was okay. my biggest collision. I who was that from Green Bay, right? Yeah, uh, John Coon, right? John Coon. So, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I had heard, I saw Miles retweet that, and I and Coos was telling me about it, and so I hadn't heard the whole um, sound. Yeah. But that's pretty funny, and and it, it actually goes along with something I say about Miles Jack a lot. Doesn't get enough credit for being as violent as he is as a linebacker. He's fast. He's agile. He's an incredible athlete. He can play running back. He can play safety. But because of that, it overshadows how violent he is at that position. And there's uh, evidence of it. There was a follow-up with a picture of the face mask, and it was, like, dented. It was like, (laughs) oh, man. So uh, Hardest hit? NFL? Me? Or what I've seen? No, you. Uh, collision for you? Did you have a collision that you nothing, remember? Nothing that I can remember really sticks out. Obviously, my freshman year uh, at Mizzou, Sean Witherspoon on kickoff, absolutely declared. Oh, that's the one you brought behind. Yep. But um, Ryan Mundy, uh, special teams guy from the Chicago Bears, got a, I think it was on kickoff, if I'm not mistaken, got like hit from the side. Like uh, I forgot what they it's called, like a... It's it's kind of a cheap shot to say the least. I I can't really repeat what, the, what we want to say. The words really called, <laughs> but uh, he basically got earhold. We'll say okay. Uh, he got earhold um, from the side and broke his helmet and fractured his jaw. Wow. And uh, he actually sued the 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 helmet company. Uh, I'm not sure how that ever panned out, but he was out for a while, and that was a that was a hard collision. And what was his and, name? Uh, Ryan Mundy. This just in. He's uh, Antonio Brown's lawyer. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, the, and the other one uh, that really sticks out was when Austin Collie. I think I've told this story before too. Yeah, yeah. Austin Collie coming across the middle, and I mm. think I think it was Daryl Smith that hit him. And uh, dude, I've never seen somebody on the football field snoring from getting like knocked out. It was uh, yeah, not pretty, not pretty. And he had a bunch of them. Yep. And then the, the other one too that sticks out to me for me personally, Brandon Jacobs. Uh, running back from New York Giants. Yeah. Uh, did you ever cover him? Or yeah, not? yeah, yeah, yeah. Big so, dude, man. Big dude, right? And they said he couldn't do it. They thought he was too big. Yeah, and, and all things considered, I guess he's pretty a pretty nice guy, or like a yeah, pretty very good. So yeah, and that's kind of what I heard too. So all things considered, I don't want to say he was like looks like Tarzan plays like Jane, because that's not the case at all. But going into the game, it was like, yeah, he's a bigger guy. I mean, dude was like six four, six five, two forty. He was a big dude, but didn't necessarily run hard all the time. Well, Terrence Knighton says something during the game uh, to him. Bad idea. Lights a fire. He's like, oh, okay, that's how it's going to be. And, like, I kid you not, Brent, the next, like, the second half, he comes back out, and it's like a new running back. And, like, he, he would be coming to the C-gap, and I got to shut the tight end and try to make the tackle. And, like, I remember trying to tackle this guy's, list, like, his legs, because you're not going to take him on high. Yeah, no, uh, no. A big guy, like, like him and uh, Peyton Hillis, two guys you don't take on high, right? You, so you had to take him low. So, like, I tried to cut out his legs, and I cut, I mean, I tackled him, but, like, he, dude, he needed me right in the face mask. I was like, dude, you should not be that big and that quick. It's not fair. I old days you. Yeah. Uh, those are uh, why reasons, uh, you know, 452 and 453 why I don't play the game. <laughs> it never would. Uh, all right, let's do a little ball in the fall. I'll begin. Jacksonville yeah. Sharks. I mentioned them at the top of the show, so hats off to the Sharks. Yeah. Nick Forrest and the organization, uh, second NAL title in, in three years. They've really done an incredible job in the last decade, the Jacksonville Sharks, two different ownership groups now. But they do a great job with their fan base. They do a great job on the field. You know, the Albany just won the um, Arena League title, mm -hmm. and they took the quarterback from the sh Sharks, Tommy Grady, not Tommy Brady, yeah. Tommy Grady, and he won up there with Albany. So they've had players and players and players, and they've done, uh, they've had a lot of success. This one was wild, though. Down like Crazy 11 with a minute to go. They pick six. You know, they get yeah. an onside kick. They score. And not only that, the game still, all that happens in like a minute in Arena League. Yeah. And then... They make the game-saving tackle at like the six-yard line. It was it was not as close, but somewhat reminiscent Rams Titans Tyson Super Bowl Tyson Dyson, Dyson, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, great job by the uh, Jacksonville Sharks. Very cool and and good for them. Hey, if you're gonna play, you might as well try to win. And the Sharks have done a lot of winning. Second title in uh, the last three years. Without uh, I'll quick hurry up because we have some audio here too as well. Uh, watched UFC 241 this past weekend, and no one's stock went up higher than Nate Diaz. Uh, he's been out for three years. Comes back to fight a very game Anthony Pettis. Uh, Nate Diaz put him away. Oh, he didn't put him away, but he finished the fight. Uh, ended up winning. And Nate Diaz to me, Brent, should be the biggest name in MMA right now. Hmm. He's, he's 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 the fight fans fighter. But all things considered, the UFC doesn't know what to do with a guy. And uh, when he gives out interviews like this, um, you'll see why here. This is Nate Diaz talking with the ESPN analyst after his fight, breaking down his highlights. Keeping our chin bared and our hands up, and that's exactly what Nate Diaz did. Round one chalk by, which I thought was going to be the most dangerous round for Nate. He ended up Ooh. stealing that round. Right D100 right there, baby. Hey, how tight was that guillotine, by the way? What guillotine? Uh, all right, there we go. Now we're back. <laughs>
Randy Couture style, dirty boxing, just wearing Pettis down. It started to become very clear to the audience that Pettis was a hell of a hard time. Oh, my man, Kyle. And right here after these knees, Pettis actually turns his back at one point. Of course, Nate He was Diaz, spinning like that. Nate Diaz. You seen that? <laughs> yes, I did, Nate. And right here I with the armbar. A big opportunity. I thought you were going to go an armbar. Big, big opportunity. He had the hooks that looked like he was going to take the back. Ultimately, time ran out. We went to the judges. So, and John, they had yeah, that's just a little glimpse of Nate Diaz. You couldn't play the whole interview because there is some cursing. Yeah. And, and even though Dana White specifically told him not to swear on ESPN, of course Nate Diaz That was is, like man. 63 seconds long. Nate it, talks for about four yeah, of them. Yeah, and, and dude, Nate Diaz, he's a true fighter, though. Quick story about Nate Diaz before we go to the break. So growing up, he's got a brother, Nick Diaz, who got an MMA before he did. Um, Nate Diaz kind of came from a broken home, didn't have money for food, basically. Uh, and then a coach at a, a, a gym, basically, an MMA gym, said, if you come train with me every single night, I will buy you a burrito after we're done training. So Nate Diaz got an MMA just because he wanted something to eat every night. And that's how he got that. an MMA. And now the dude's one of the biggest names in the world. Just called out Jorge Masvidal. That'll be a great fight coming up. All right, I got a question about Diaz plus yeah. Fallen on our way back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Join the conversation. Who do you think was Fallen and Fallen over the weekend? Star Star 690. Hey, you can always jump in on the Fallen and Fallen segment, Star Star 690, or uh, reach out to us on all the social media platforms. What do you think over the weekend? A lot to choose from. A lot happening over the weekend uh, that I want to hit on. So we'll have our Fallen coming up in a moment. I had the Jacksonville Sharks as Fallen. You had Nate Diaz mm-hmm. uh, winning the other night. Uh, overall, it was a pumped-up card. Yeah. Uh, you said it was a good card. Did it live Great up card. to the hype? Absolutely. Yeah, I th- yes. that's what it sounded like. Yeah. I didn't watch. I, I usually would, but I was uh, had some friends in town. So. Yeah. But by the way, the Diaz fight, I think I got an alert at like 1 in the morning Yeah. of that thing. Did it go that long? Ah uh, no! So the, like the, the main event was Stepe versus DC, and that I'm sorry, that ended, was the one I was that thinking. Was the one? Cormier, uh, you know what? I mean, it was probably done at twelve thirty. So, yeah, so, so maybe, right yeah, about maybe, that. yeah. I mean, it was um, there are a couple of fights that went the whole the whole distance, you know. Yeah, uh, but they're that still great fights, it, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that was a great fight. You know, Stepe uh, got the win. Oh, actually, um, I'm gonna talk about that a little more in the cruise control. Um, little spoiler, but Max Holloway, uh, uh he's a he's a He's a smaller fighter, uh, has trained with D.C. before, and that's some pretty cool things to say about D.C. So, All right. Uh, one question on Diaz. Though, Diaz. goes out for three years. Yeah. To not be in the cage for three years and yeah. win. So, <laughs> <laughs> listen, yeah, uh, the average MMA fighter does that, and they call it ring rust, right? Yeah. You're going to have some ring rust. Nate Diaz does that, and all things considered, probably looked as best as he's ever looked against a really tough opponent, Anthony Pettis. It's pretty wild, because um, they say in sports in general, yeah. I don't know, uh, you hear different things, mm-hmm. but say it's football or baseball. If you take a, two years off, yeah. you're probably done. Yeah. You know, two years. Exactly. So which, it's, if, that means even if you're, like, hurt for two years in a row, yeah. it's going to be hard to come back and be who you were. Yeah. So that's what I thought. I thought of. I was like, three well, years, man, that's impressive. And it's Listen, he's he's a one-of-a-kind, well, him and his brother, Nick. Nick's the older. But uh, Nate is just, he's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of fighter. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's a guy that I actually got to train with a little bit in St. Augustine. I'm not sure if I ever shared that story or not. No, but, I don't uh, think you did. So, Nate Diaz, we come from the same uh 
Jiu-Jitsu Academy, basically. It's okay. House and Gracie. So he was in St. Augustine, put on a seminar, and uh, you know, obviously I went to it, man, and you know, rolled around a little bit and learned some techniques. Well, after that seminar, this is right when I retired from football. Right after that seminar, uh, the, the 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 head coach there at the gym, Phil, uh, went up to the, to Nate's like, "Hey, we got a guy by the name of Austin here. Uh, he just he's gonna have his first amateur fight pretty soon. He's like, can you just kind of show him stuff about fighting and you know maybe just shadow box him a little bit and just you know just move around with him. And uh, yeah, so Nate took some time apart. And just kind of, you know, moved around with me a little bit, show me some stuff. <laughs> I'll never forget. And once again, I can't say what he truly said, but I'll try to phrase it in terms of our sponsors and our listeners out there for the ears. But uh, at one point, just for the FCC, really, yeah, for FCC, okay, whoever it is. <laughs> so the, the, there was one point where, uh, you know, we're just kind of moving around. Get it ready. We're just, we're just moving around, and uh, you know, he kind of shows me how to throw the like the lower leg kick, and I and I asked him like, hey, so if someone throws a leg kick at you, Nate, like, do, do, do you like to counter with it? Like, do when you want to check the kick and then throw like the overhand right? Like, what do you prefer? And his exact quote, which I'm not going to say it completely, but he's like, man, f that man, just take some, give some, take some, give some, and I'm like. Okay, and that was like the big advice. And I turned and I turned to my head coach Matt. And I look at him, and Matt's just like, yeah, <laughs> you know, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah take some. But, but then, hey, I'll be honest though. So then, fast forward now to my last fight in Tallahassee here, and I have a 280 pound guy on top of me, and I, that lack of a better word, can't get him off, and. You know, truth be told, I had to take a couple punches to try to set him up to trap his shoulder, then reverse the reverse the thing. So in doing that, that actually kind of made sense. Because after the fight, I kind of left myself a little bit. I'm like, I kind of had to take some to give some a little <laughs> yeah, bit, yeah. you know? So okay. it, it kind of made sense in a, in a Nate Diaz type of way. But this is a guy, like I said, Brent, who should be the biggest star in the UFC. Uh, he the, the YouTube video of Joe Rogan interviewing him after the fight was the number one watched YouTube video Sunday and Monday. So there you go. That's all I got to know about Nate Diaz. Is that Diaz or Rogan? Uh, that's no, that's definitely Nate Diaz, dude. It's Nate. I mean, Joe oh, Rogan is so? a big guy. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, Joe Rogan interviews everybody after the fights. Well, no, I'm saying, well, what's the influence there? The combination? Is it just who's who's more influential, oh, Diaz or well, Rogan? In that situation, it's Nate Diaz. Okay. Like, people want to see what Nate Diaz is going to say because it's going to be something outlandish, something and crazy. crazy. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. you know that's part of it, man. Yeah. If well, you're going to perform, I mean, mm-hmm. listen, uh, we're all paying attention to Antonio Brown right now. Exactly. It might not be said, but what you do, yeah. Uh, you know, it's how Richard Sherman got big in football. Mike Tyson, sure. the the fight was fantastic. The interview after was usually the more fantastic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So exactly. It's part of it. Yep. It's part of the act in yeah. a way. And there's the thing with Nate Diaz. He's not threatening anybody. He's not saying anything like offensive to anybody. He's just being himself, man. And it's like you said, Brent, like you love guys that are rough around the edges, and Nate Diaz is rough around the edges. Well, and I should throw McGregor into the fold on uh, that. Of too. course, yeah. Right. yeah. You're, you're interested in seeing what McGregor's going to say before a fight, yes. after a fight, and, of course, whatever he does in the ring. Good call. Uh, all right, fall in time. Yeah. Uh, you want me to go? Go ahead. All right. Here what you got. I think you're going to like this one. I know. Slayer. Yeah. The band Slayer. I mean, how long is that? They been? I didn't even know they were still, like, active. Yeah. Of course, everybody's active. They might be 78 and they're active. Sure. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they, they are going to play until they're, they go. Well, yeah, absolutely. The money's too good now. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's fun for them. But anyway, they were going to put, they had their logo planned to be put on a, a NASCAR ride. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, J.J. Yelly. Yelly. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's not. They made him take it off. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Fall. I didn't like that. I was like, really? Huh? Because of Slayer? Yeah. They didn't like it. This is the I'll so- take sponsorship dollars. That was soft- my first thing. Well, yeah, exactly. This is the softest thing 
that NASCAR could ever do. First of all, let's go get to the point here. The event was called the Bass Pro Shops NRA Night Race. What do you think is more offensive to people out there? Than the fact that the NRA is sponsoring something or the fact that Slayer wants to be on a car? Well, depends what audience you're talking to. Well, I'm talking about the, the audience on a whole, Brent. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I'll go and make a prediction. I think that I think the NRA thing would offend more people than the Slayer thing would. Oh, a little raining blood? Yes, please. So I just don't think I would. I, I, I get what you're saying about NRA, yeah. but that's totally different in the, well, my no, opinion. No, but I'm saying like people getting offended though. Like yeah. why why wasn't Slayer able to put their sponsor on a car? Because Slayer, for lack of a better word, back in the '80s, and Brent, you know, I'm gonna talk a little Slayer to you real quick. Never thought I'd see the day. So Slayer is what you call one of the big four of thrash metal: Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax. In my opinion, now people might call in and disagree with me, but those are the big four of thrash metal. Of all those bands, like you know, Metallica got really big, right? And they kind of, quote unquote, sold out after the Black Album. I think they're still great, whatever. But Slayer have always been the, the hardcore band, right? They, they've always been um, kind of like the forget you, I'm pissed off, like, you know, rally around us. And in doing that, they kind of had some controversial music. Yeah. All right? Whether it's like the upside down crosses on their album and things like that. So from that perspective, yeah, I can see where people might be turned off a little bit. But this is like back in the 80s, man. You know? I mean, they're still doing the dang thing. And I think if you want to bring new viewership to NASCAR... Slayer's got a giant following in, in terms of hardcore and in thrash metal. I can't understand why you wouldn't want people to tune in to see a Slayer car. I think it would be awesome. And I'll tell you what, Brent, being a father, and I don't watch NASCAR all the time, but if I'm sitting down on the couch w- with my son right now and we're watching NASCAR and he says, Daddy, Daddy, that's a crazy car. Uh, what is that, Slayer? I'm like, yeah, that's a Slayer car. And I have to explain to him what's Slayer. No problem. I'll be like, you know what? This is this was a band back when I was a kid growing up. Uh, you know, you know, your grandpa was really into them, and then he passed them down to me, and they're a really rocking band. You know, like I, I play Metallica on the car all the time. Yeah, they're kind of like them, but even harder. We should play them sometime. Great. I don't want to explain to my son what the what the, what the Blue Chew car is. I, I don't want to explain to my son, hey, well, Blue Chew, see what it is, is uh, you got to, you know, I don't want to explain that. I would much rather explain the Slayer car than the Blue Chew car. So from that perspective, I think we're all good, Brent. Hey, NASCAR, let's go. Uh, so, by the way, they why did they take it off? Yeah. Because other sponsors were not happy. Sure. And uh, that were associated with the car. So uh, that's why they did it. <laughs> For the, the quote is this. After nearly 40 years, Slayer apparently remains as terrifying to some as ever. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. There's Fallen. That shouldn't happen. I mean, I think we take some of this stuff so too literal this day and age. Everything's what do we say on, on the social media? Yeah. Everything's so self righteous. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, but I, I just yeah. don't look at it that way. I, I would have never looked at it that way. Sure, and especially so it's a little surprising. And listen, that sport you're talking to a base that's pretty, yeah, over you know for at least traditionally very conservative base. Yeah, but at the same time, Brent, like these guys are going 170, 180 miles per hour on a track, you know, with their lives on the line. I'm sure a lot of those drivers listen to Slayer. Well, no, that's know? the it's, thing. It's, like that's what that's why JJ Yeely wanted it yeah. because it's like it was something that he wanted to do. He was he had picked a song to come out to. Yeah. He thought it was awesome. It was you know it fits his personality exactly to do it exactly. And it 
you know, sports needs personality. Especially in NASCAR. You know, like back when you had, you know, Dale and you had Jeff Gordon and everybody like that, like they had personalities. You, you're into that. NASCAR needs personalities. NASCAR needed the Slayer car. They really did, and I think they dropped that opportunity there. Well, what would have been really interesting mm-hmm. is to let them go through with it yeah. and see what if it would have been any kind of ripple response because really it was just an internal response. Yeah. That's why, you know, it was an internal, okay, uh, I, I don't want to name throw any names out sure. there. I don't know who they had on the car, but whatever sponsors they had yeah. long-term didn't like the idea, and they obviously had longer agreements with these other ones. Yeah. They were grandfathered in, and they had yeah. a little voice in, in that, so that's why they booted Slayer off. But I would have liked to see if there was any rift Sure. Any reaction, yeah, which would have been good for NASCAR, probably would have been fantastic. All yeah. right, we got your following, and then we'll get back some football, including my interview with Andrew Baselli. That's coming up. I was in Tallahassee yesterday. A little Knowles football, two weeks away from coming to Jacksonville. Some Slayer fans on social media. Some Slayer fans out there. And uh, submarine Mike brings up a good point, but yeah. I, I, uh, maybe we we did confuse the two. Yeah. It, it wasn't NASCAR that made them take Slayer off the, the – it was the team itself. The sponsorship. And I kind of think we said that, but it was the sponsorship. Uh, yeah, it wasn't NASCAR sponsorship. Yeah. It was the Na- It was number 54 car. Their other sponsors. Yeah. Um, but good point. Uh, I don't want to confuse the two. I, again, I I think NASCAR has jumped in in the past on certain things, and I'm sure there's an approval process. Yeah. I think it would have been good overall for the sport, but yeah. uh, submarine's Mike. It, yeah. Submarine Mike's right. It was more to do with the individual car mm-hmm. and uh, and that ownership group. Sure, yeah, and I agree with that. Yeah, I could call submarine Mike. I, I might have said, hey, Matt NASCAR stepped your game up a little bit, but yeah. But overall, I mean, you'd like to see. I mean, it does impact the sport part. You yeah. Know? Good call. Uh, hey, welcome back, uh, Brent Morneau. Austin Lane, Coos here on a Monday. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a good weekend. Hope you uh, have a canoe because it, all it does is rain. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Yeah. It's a good Can call. we stop? I know. Is it like it's enough already. It's like like, another week of this, right? We got going on here? I, I Listen, you get the rainy patterns, but it's like days like Saturday were yeah. brutal. It was just yeah. all day rain. And like I drove back from Tallahassee yesterday. It was awful. It was just downpour. I was in Charleston this weekend, and you think St. Augustine floods when it rains. Oh, oh really? man. <laughs> That's not even possible. There's nothing worse than St. Augustine. Dude, it was like roads. It's just like, hey, it's raining. You can't take that road today. How's uh, how's wow. Charleston? It was good. It was good. Dropped my brother off for his second uh, year at college. So. so you've been there quite a bit. Uh, yeah, two or three times in like the past year or so. He goes to college in Charleston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard it's a nice campus there. It is really awesome, and there's tons of food, and I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a great time. I've uh, cool. never been. I wanted to go this year, and we or this summer, and we weren't able to get away to it. But I've still never been, and I I really want to go because people say and they they relate it to Newport, Rhode Island. Which oh, is cool. one of my favorite places. It's like Newport. Well, my has that feel to it. Yeah. Um, but I've never heard a bad thing about Charleston. I want to go, and I haven't been. My brother's not the biggest uh, sports fan, so when he first started going there, he saw people walking around with the Gamecock sh- shirt on, and he was very confused as to why. <laughs> <laughs> is Charleston? Is it by the water or not? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's right there. Okay. Cool, yeah. cool. I mean, it's very St. Augustine esque yeah. in that sense. Very similar. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, but it's not very far away. In fact, not far, our signal will get all the way up to Charleston, South Carolina. So, hello, Charleston. 
We should come up and do a show. Oh, yeah. I'm just looking at the map now. That's pretty south. Oh, oh yeah. So you, you've got to go. Yeah. Like, people will tell you, if there's a getaway, you know, the beautiful thing about Jacksonville mm-hmm. is there's, like, hour-long getaways, two-hour getaways, three-hour getaways. Yeah. You know, from, like, Charleston to Savannah to Hilton Head to, then you can go the five hours if you want to go out to the Panhandle and uh, Destin mm-hmm. and places like that. But uh, put it on your list, man. Charleston, Sneak South away for a weekend in uh, Charleston, apparently, is the place to go. What do you know? There's more than Myrtle Beach there. All right. Yeah. I, I've been to Myrtle Beach a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Band, uh, band competitions. I was going to say, high school. How, it, because you're not a golf guy. No. It, and so that's where they had the band competition? Yeah, I, I was there once for a fight, and then I was there once because we had like the national high school marching band competition I took part in. I love this about you. Yeah. That's another one. Right. You and puppies and now you and marching bands. What I still do, can't hey, get my head around. And we were thinking about this, too. I got called out during the marching band competition because back in high school I had a giant afro. And, you know, we had to wear, like, our marching hats. Well, my hat wouldn't fit because, number one, my head's as, as, as ginormous as it is. And then I have an afro on top of it. So I'd kind of, like, rest my hat on my afro. And, like, one of the judges were like, he needs to clean up the uniform a little bit and, you know, have the traditional look. Like, get the, get out of here. <laughs> I, I was in marching band school. too, kind Relax. of. Relax. In marching orders. You were in the marching band? Yeah, I played the uh, percussion. Very good. Drums for the drums. Yeah, sorry. I, well, I did snare and <laughs> then the quads as well. Oh, so. quad toms? Oh, yeah. Now we're talking. Now I want to be the cymbals guy. Dude. Actually, that was the best one. The problem I had is the the I was a really tiny kid. Oh, dude, that's and heavy. And so those yeah. drums like would oh you'd feel it in your lower back like the whole next day. Yeah, band I'm, talk. I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> Bands is not easy around here. No, for sure. It's hot at yeah. halftime. I mean, there's I couldn't a ton imagine. of equipment. You I cannot imagine marching around here. No I, way. I think we Not would the do, early part of the season, at no least. Way. We would do like a parade in May, I think. And even up in Philly, it would be kind of cold. And, and I couldn't imagine being either one extreme, hot or cold. I would have been miserable. Yeah. yeah, I've always wondered why some people even want to go play the Macy's Day Thanksgiving <laughs> parade. Like, why would you want to be out in that, that weather? Sounds like a punishment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Take, hey, we got invited. That's awesome. We're not going. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the honor, but no, yeah. it's gonna be no. It would be kind of cool to do the show from afloat as you guys are going down the street. You now know? we're talking, Brent. Now we are talking. We will, by I the like way, that. when the Jags win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> get your plans ready in February. Uh, one note: since I said the band and we're talking about it, you can vote for our band of the week for the Friday Night Blitz. Cool. So uh, we're doing something a little different since we're not voting for the game of the week. Yeah. Vote for the band of the week. Get everybody involved at school, a little spirit, and uh, you can do that on actionnewsjacks.com all week long. First uh, real game start up Friday. Of course, we'll have the game of the week on ESPN 690. We'll be out there in Lake City, Columbia once again. Trinity against Columbia and all the festivities on Friday this week, ESPN 690, CBS 47, and Fox 30. All right, speaking of a guy who has problems yeah. putting a helmet or a hat on. <laughs> we talked about him a little bit, but Antonio Brown, man, you're falling. Anytime a GM has to come out and say, uh, well, just go and listen to the audio, and you can take it from here. Uh, you all know that AB is not here today, right? He's upset about the helmet issue. We have supported that. We appreciate that. At this point, we've pretty much exhausted all avenues of relief. So from our perspective, it's time for him to be all in or all out, okay? We're hoping he's back soon. We got 89 guys busting their tails. We are really excited about where this franchise is going, and we hope AB is going to be a big part of it starting week one against Denver. End of story, no question. <laughs> Poor no Mike questions. Mayock. Come on, Mike. <laughs> Poor
poor Mike Mayak comes like he has a cushy job at the NFL Network and then comes back to this drama. Uh, yeah, listen, anytime a GM comes out and basically calls you out like that, I don't care who you are, it's not a good look. Um, Antonio Brown, by all things, I think is back at practice now. He missed Sunday due to the ongoing saga with his helmet. Uh, he basically pushed the NFL all, all in by saying that if they didn't change the rule, he was going to retire. The NFL took a look at the revenue last year of $8.1 billion and said, Oh, very cool. Yeah, we're not going to change the rule. So good luck in your future endeavors. <laughs> Antonio Brown said, never mind. He said he's going to play football again. And yeah, uh, 15 we'll million see. on the table. Yeah, I know. Like, you're really going to push the NFL all in on this one and think they're going to cater to your needs? I think what's, what's interesting, though, is the way Mayock handled it. I mean, yeah. what did all in or all out mean? I mean, what? I think it's it's black and white, Brent. Like, either you're here and you're part of this team, or you keep on doing the stuff you're doing, and we don't want you here. Yeah. Simple the, as that. The shenanigans of Antonio Brown. Uh, are not uh, unpredictable. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of how many of them can you put up with. Yeah. And already now in the month of August, they've had to deal with frozen feet and no lid. Yeah. On top of uh, his head. Yeah. But again, I still believe in two weeks they're going to deal with 125 yards and two touchdowns for Derek Carr. And they're going to have to deal with this other stuff. He's not a good teammate. He's not a team guy. But he's a heck of a football player, and are you willing to go there? There are some people yeah. that are not. Not This organization, I don't think, was interested at all in that kind of thing uh, with, with Antonio Brown. And I think there are a lot of organizations across the league that were not. Yeah. But uh, sometimes you got to dance with the devil, man, and, <laughs> and it's, it's all about wins. Yeah. And I think uh, the Raiders in the past, in their organization history, they've been willing to dance with the devil, and uh, they might be doing it again. And it's, you know, it, it's another classic example of the NFL is does the talent outweigh the distractions? Yeah. You know, and with Antonio Brown being one of the top wide receivers when he's on the field, uh, you know, the Raiders didn't get outweighs the distractions. But at the same time, this is the Antonio Brown who basically threw his quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, under the bus, threw his former teammate, Judas Smith-Schuster, same position, under the bus, and now you're taking him on in Oakland and... Yeah, it's like you said, Brent. Once he gets on the field, I feel like all this just goes away, right? Like all of a sudden we see the celebration in the end zone and we see all that good stuff. And this is all minor stuff. But until that time, until he gets on the field, and we don't know when he's going to come back and be 100% with his feet. I have no idea. But until that time, it's going to be the headlines. It's just, yeah. it's just the way it is. And well, hey, Raiders, it's kind of what you signed up for. You signed up for it. And also uh, Hard Knox is thanking you very much. Yeah, well, at the same time, though, Brent, I, I, I voice my displeasure a little bit. Yeah, we'll All see what tomorrow cons- brings. I hope so, they got, a, they, got, oh. they got the back and forth now. They got Mayock coming out and saying something. That's a good point. I like that. You know? Okay, a little more hype. I'm back on board again. A little more again. drama involved. I'm back on board again. Yeah, it's going to be a good episode Hard tomorrow. Knocks, don't disappoint me again. Don't Game of Thrones me again. Please. Uh, Please. Let's switch focus. I was in Tallahassee yesterday, and a uh, really nice setup for Florida State Football Media Day. Get a chance to catch up with a lot of the players, uh, from Cam Akers to... Uh, James Blackman, you name it. DJ Matthews, local guy. Andrew Baselli, interesting, took last year off from football. He's back. He's in great shape. Of course, the son of Tony Baselli, but just trying to make his own name and, and his own game. And he's a good football player, smart football player. In fact, Randy Clements, the offensive line coach, uh, you won't hear this part, but he told us when I asked about Baselli, uh, he said his intelligence out there is invaluable. That's what he said, invaluable, uh, which is a heck of a compliment. Uh, caught up with uh, Andrew Baselli yesterday in Tallahassee, trying to earn some playing time once again under Willie Taggart in Tallahassee. 
All right, man, well, good to run into you. Welcome back. Uh, give us an update. How fired up are you about uh, being on that field and, and playing ball? Oh, I'm excited. Uh, with between our new OC and our new uh, offensive line coach, I think we have a lot of good pieces on offense. We have a, uh, a lot of huge weapons and great energy. So I think we're going to have a pretty special offense this fall, and I'm fired up. Yeah, these are some of these guys that were in three different offenses. Uh, this one's unique. I mean, no, the no playbook thing. I mean, is that a... Is that how unique is that? Have no playbook. What's that like as a ball player on that side? Oh, uh, it's extremely unique. Uh, it's definitely it seems simple at first, but as we kind of we added more game plan stuff and tweaks, it gets more and more complex. And that mix with the tempo makes it extremely dangerous. The defense kind of once we get that first first down, we constantly keep the defense on our heels, which allows us to play fast. And no matter how they kind of line up, we have different wrinkles set up. So it, even in its simplicity and speed, we have some complexity. So it's extremely different and unique. Yeah. I appreciate that. How for me, it's like, are you drawing plays in the dirt? I mean, is this Madden? I mean, what is it like? But it's not like that. No. So basically, the way it kind of, like, to explain it, so it's kind of we have a simple base offense. It's like four or five plays that are simple. And then, depending on who we're playing, like, for example, in the beginning of camp, we started against our offense, and now we're kind of playing it for Boise. We add different wrinkles and tweaks depending on what we think we're going to see. So we can kind of take four or five base plays and turn it into 20, 30 plays to make it a lot more complex. So it seems, so like the simplicity builds on itself to make it a pretty unique offense. Hey, how uh, how was your game? You took time off. You, you came back into it. Where are you at as a football player? So the biggest thing for me about taking time off was now I have a new kind of appreciation and motivation coming back in it. So this summer, Coach O and the strength staff did a great job helping me be in the best shape and the strongest I've ever personally been. So I'm uh, with that and this new offense, I've definitely seen great improvements in my game, in the run game, and more importantly, the pass game. Be able to hold my hold up my own. Uh, holding the line and just hold it down overall. So I'm extremely excited and I think I'll be a, an asset for the team and on the offense, no doubt. Nobody likes to name starters and all this kind of stuff this time of year, but where do you feel you fit as you as you get closer and closer? To- so overall this camp, Avion has been going with the ones and I've been uh, supporting the twos, but we have done a little bit of alternating. I think it's still a competitive opportunity, but I'm just trying to do my best to help the team in any way I can and push him and he pushes me and uh, let leave that rest up to the coaching staff. There has been so much talk about this offensive line over the last few years. You know it. Of course. Uh, how are you guys doing as a group? What do you see? And is there a confidence level that you guys can be much better up front? I definitely think this has been the most common O-line we've had since I've been here. Additions like Coach Clemens and uh, some transfer guys like Ryan Roberts really help add some maturity and some confidence that we've not seen before. Coach Clemens' emphasis is on technique, and we slowly kind of build throughout the fall camp. So guys are really, really improving and learning, which is uh, unique. Something like I think that's been our problem before is guys have not really had that confidence that we have now. So with that building a technique and guys kind of doing well in practice and having success, I think we'll have a very uh, confident and dominant offensive line. What do you see out of James? Uh, he's been through a lot in his three years, but it feels like this could be his offense. Is there maturity there about it? Oh, my goodness, 100%. The way he is a team leader and just kind of handles stuff on and off the field, especially even as a young guy, is unbelievable. Everyone respects him. Whenever there's any kind of difficulty or disagreement, James takes control in these situations. And then on the field, when we're facing a long third down or we have a penalty, James does a good job of getting the energy together and kind of getting everyone right on the right track. So he has my respect, and I'm excited to play for him and protect him. What are your expectations or, or, or thoughts, I should say, on uh, Coach Taggart? Year two. I mean, the bumps of last year, but this team still has 
a belief in him, it seems like, around here. 100%. I think he did a really great job of kind of helping us get our confidence back up. Uh, like I said, bringing in guys and coaches to kind of fill our needs and kind of grow on where we had mistakes last year. Obviously, I was on the team last year, but just going forward, I see a new energy and life that I really excitement. I think we'll really be ready to come out August 31st and bring some heat. Challenging has uh, your story been uh, to get away from it, to come back. How much of a battle was that to come back? And and are you proud of the fact that you're back here playing some ball? It was definitely difficult, but uh, yeah, I'm extremely proud. It was definitely a humbling process overall just to go through that and now to be where I am with opportunity to compete for a job and really give it my all. I appreciate. I, I really appreciate Coach Tagger and the whole football staff, the opportunity they gave me, and I'm just here to do my best. And you get started off in Duval, man, uh, to play in Jacksonville in that opener in a couple of weeks. you got to be pretty fired up. Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. All summer, like when we're running stadiums, maxing out, lifting, that has been in the back of my mind. Like just thinking being on that field is a dream true for me. So I did it once in the Rivals camp in high school. Being in a uniform on the field is a literal dream come true. So I'm absolutely fired up and doing all I can to be on that game and get on the field. That's awesome. How, how much are you going to let that beard grow up? Uh, honestly, I was trying to let it, let it grow. Fall camp, get a little mean look going, a little grit, you know. But uh, you just got to keep it a little bit clean up so it doesn't drip on the ball, but I love it. Keep, let it go big, baby. That's it, man. It makes it hot. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, hopefully as we move into the fall, we'll get a little cold so it'll keep me a little warm, a little, a little neck warm. Uh, all right. Hey, one last thing. Uh, is this a year for Dad? Get into Canton. What do you think? I, I definitely think so. I think, especially since they expanded the amount of people, even without that, I think it was his time. But with that, it should be a lock. Uh, he's someone that has my utmost respect as my dad and as a leader to me. He's kind of why helped me be uh, get back to where I am, and I think it's definitely his time. So I'm excited. Andrew Vaselli, Florida State uh, center, and fighting for some time. How about you? Like the energy of, of Dang, Bo, huh? man. How old? What, great, uh, what year is he going to be now? Uh, he will be a junior, but I think I don't know how that will work for him. Well, uh, I don't know what last year playing status. Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, well, I didn't look that up, so I whatever look that it up. is, regardless. Um, wow, talk about a very well-spoken individual. Um, you know, a very confident individual and a guy that's got great interview prowess. Man, that was a. That was great. Like, if you went back to my junior year at Murray State, <laughs> ah, man. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, man. he's been around it. Uh, good stuff. Interesting thing, too, with uh, – he does have a pretty good beard growing, and he, he actually brought something up that I never really thought about. Those centers, they get super sweaty. You get drip on that ball, right? Yeah, You yeah. don't want it to be – Sure. Well, I mean, moisture there. yeah, well, at the same time, though, Brent, I feel like the beard could actually help because you're going to be sweating regardless, right? So the beard's almost like a sponge. You can soak up the sweat, maybe? Hey, I mean, yeah. hey, I'm not, I don't know. You're I'm the beard guy. I'm not, a sci- yeah, right. I'm not a scientist, Brent. I don't know how it works. You're the beard guy. But, uh, yeah, that, that's a good point, though. I wonder how that would affect the football. Maybe we can go on Mythbusters and have them do that. Uh, one other thing about the offensive lineman. In Kendall Bryles' offense, they like to go so fast. Yeah. That there's a chance they'll use variation of uh, a variation of lineups in the same game on the offensive line, not yeah. because of necessary good play or bad play, but because of rest mm-hmm. and fatigue. Sure. And that's one of the challenges with running a fast offense is the offensive lineman, right? Yeah. I mean, you got 300 pound guys, 320 pound guys, 
and getting them to the ball quick so you can snap it. That's that's one of those things where you have to be conditioned. It's yeah. also the benefit because the defensive front is sitting there gassed. I was just going to say and that's the beauty of it because if you're a defensive line, uh, there's nothing more worrisome than playing you know that that fast paced up tempo offense and you're on like you know play 11, play 12, and you tap on your helmet to get a sub and nobody is coming because you can't afford it <laughs> because you can't afford a sub. You can't get that's, out. You that's can't get out. I, Brent, and listen, I mean we're laughing about it, but it, it's the truth. It's almost like you know like you're in the middle of the ocean and you're just trying to survive, man. You know like you're you're in deep waters right now. You're getting taken under and you're tired. Uh, it's one of the worst feelings in all of football. I did uh, after the interviews and everything. We'll hear from Kendall Brown a little bit later but uh, in throughout the next couple of weeks but I, I did ask him i was like i mean will you interchange offensive linemen if necessary and, and again not based on poor play or penalties or but more just on the fatigue and he said yeah he said but you got to have the guys yeah. and that's always been the question mark now at florida state this offensive line not always but these last few years the offensive line just been brutal not yeah. been good but you can also hide the deficiencies in offensive line with this fast-paced offense and that's what they hope to do with Bryles until they come along and can get enough talent on that front mm-hmm. to be really really effective uh he does think he has eight or nine guys though that can play that position and that they can utilize so it'll be interesting to see there uh, i say this about florida state i was there a year ago and there was a lot of confidence and there was a lot of hope with willie taggart and then it was just a complete flop i went there yesterday there was another feel of good, good vibe they 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 it was different, though. It was a good vibe. It was a maturity about the entire football team knowing that, man, we cannot let Florida State look like that again. Not the way they looked last year. So it was almost more uh, of from a prideful standpoint instead of a swagger standpoint. But there is confidence, and we'll find out in a couple of weeks. They play Boise State on Saturday night, uh, August 31st, right here in Jacksonville. And you also mentioned you know, helping the offensive line a little bit. That's kind of been the liability the past couple of years. But most importantly, as Andrew Basella kind of said, it helps the quarterback as well. You know, Because anytime you get the ball out faster, um, you're not sitting back there taking a lot of hits. Because that was a big problem with Francois. I mean, I think the biggest thing Francois had going for him, he was tough. He was durable he because was. he took some huge shots uh, in his time at Florida State. So I think it also helps out the quarterback, too, in what would most assume Blackman, uh, it would help him out in the backfield as well. Absolutely. By the way, we'll have more Florida State talk. I know this is kind of Florida-Miami week, but leading up right after it is Florida State here against Boise State in a big game for the Florida State program, I believe, and I think they think so too. But I got a lot of reaction, a lot of sound, a lot of one-on-ones uh, yesterday in Tallahassee, so we'll sprinkle those out over the next couple of weeks. So if you're looking for a little Florida State love, Knowles fans, I know you're always looking. <laughs> you can find it right here over the next couple of weeks on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We come back, we talk a little more NFL. Back to the Jags. It's a game week, and we've hardly talked about them. Oh, but we will. It's next. Hey, game week for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they are getting healthier, which is a good sign. Uh, that offensive line is at least back on the practice field. And I think the panic has subsided, <laughs> at least for the time being. On the injury front, there are a lot of injuries around the NFL, like there always is in the preseason. But the Jaguars, the plan to get to September 8th, the idea to get there as healthy as possible, I would say is certainly on track, believe it or not, despite all the conversation about injuries. It's certainly on track, and now we get to see uh, what the Jags uh, might be able to do coming up uh, on Thursday night against the Miami Dolphins. Someone on the... uh, uh, Facebook feed, I think, said, who's going to win, the Jag starters or Miami starters? <laughs> 
I mean, Jack, um, Jack should if they were, if this was a regular season game. Oh, the Jaguars are going to be favored. You'd be disappointed, as, uh, like them. crazy, if they were to lose a game against the Dolphins. The Dolphins just aren't there yet. No, they're not there yet. Um, brand new coaching staff, brand new system on offense and defense. Um, I think a very mediocre offensive line. I think their strength is in the receivers. Um, when when the running backs, so Kenyon Drake to me is a little bit of an enigma. Uh, Kenyon Drake, when he's on Brent, I'd put him a top 10 running back for sure. It's just the fact that is he on or not? Uh, injuries have been a problem for Kenyon Drake and also, uh, just being consistent. You know, there's been some games where he absolutely just banishes and there's some games where he absolutely dominates. So, uh, from that perspective, I think the running game is okay, but I think that the strength is going to be in the receivers. You got Kenny Stills, uh, Parker, um, Two solid guys right there. So. Yeah. How about uh, the Jacksonville side of things? Who needs to have a good day? Who who need who do you need to feel good about? And I think we've talked enough about the offense as a whole, but let's get a little bit more specific, and we'll sure. do more of that as the week goes along, and maybe we find out how much guys are playing, and and you know, are six snaps versus thirty snaps a big big deal uh, from a different standpoint. But we've already seen DJ Chark has played, hasn't really done much. Keelan Cole has played. As, you know, he had the one called back, but other than that, from a receiving standpoint, hasn't done a whole lot. Uh, on the defensive side, Josh Allen's looked good when he's played. Mm-hmm. A couple of really nice splash things to see from Josh Allen. Yep. I think that's given people a good confidence. And Taven Bryan has been disappointing. We spent a lot of time on him on Friday. It was disappointing Thursday night. I think he was actually better than people thought he was the first preseason game. Mm-hmm. So it could be a big day for someone like him. We know Dayton Jones and the Dewan Smoots of the world. They're battling for spots, never mind playing time, but even spots. Fifth cornerback's uh, an interesting one. So, you know, if, if you're, as you sit here three or four days away from really the most important part of the preseason, preseason game number three, what kind of is like, okay, this guy, he's on like the top of my list. He needs to get, to get rocking and rolling. Yeah. Uh, and make a play. Is there anybody that jumps out? Uh, on offense? Terrell Pryor is, yeah. is is a guy who hasn't played in the preseason yet. We don't really know exactly what's going on with him. Is it if it's a major injury or if it, I mean one would assume it's an injury and not a coach's decision. But um, the, you know the, this is a guy who has shown glimpses in OTAs. I think he's looked pretty good in training camp, but hasn't gotten the field when it counts in during a preseason game. So I'm curious to see if if he plays in preseason game number three. And uh, also a guy you already mentioned, Brent, but. DJ Chark, a, a guy who, you know, has been brilliant uh, during some of the training camp practices that I've seen. I have a big red zone threat, but I haven't seen him in the preseason game yet again. You know, so is this a guy that can make the next steps? And when we saw him in Baltimore, we kind of saw a guy who I think was still in the, in, in the practice mode because the, the one catch that really stands out to me was when it might have been his first reception of, of the Baltimore game where he caught it. He was kind of dancing around a little bit, a little too long, and uh, absolutely got depleted. You know, so from that perspective, I, I want to see him turn it on a little bit, and I, I, I want to see that progress from going from a rookie now to year two in the NFL. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see some of those guys. I, I think people just want to feel good. Yeah, about it, you well, know, and and, and that's yeah. it's it's not really a statistic based thing. I, I I think we're too smart around here for that. Now I've I've talked to a lot of people. It's been it's been interesting to watch. You talk to a lot of people like ah, they don't look good, but they'll even they know people aren't playing. You know, nobody's. Mm-hmm. I don't get the sense that you, you get. It's different. I'm talking. Um, People that are diehard Jags fans that kind of are in it every day, listen to the show, or maybe could, uh, talk on Twitter and and wherever else. I'm talking about the casual fan that that will you'll run into 
And I think people understand that ah, it's only the preseason. It's oh, they they sat a lot of their guys. Uh, so I think there's an element of that which means okay. Even those folks don't need to be convinced. They better win the football game or they better be up 21 to 3 when they get out of the football game. Mm-hmm. I just think they want something to cling on to. Give me something. Give me something to put in my, my bag, my clear plastic bag that I can bring with me to the game on September 8th against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, that's as simple as that. And then from that perspective, too, I think fans want to see Taven Bryan have a good game in yeah, Miami. Yeah, I mean, make him feel you a little know, better. Yeah, make him feel a little better. I'm not sure they still believe it until they see it no, in the regular season. No, but. of course. But, you know, let's be honest. This is a former first-round pick and everything, and... You know, I think for the most part, fans have been super disappointed with Dave and Brian. So if if he can string and listen, he's playing preseason game number four too as well. So I would think. Oh, you think so? <laughs> I, I would. I would think so. Now that's interesting. I'm not that's sure. A, he, that's a uh, that's a good question. I didn't really think about him playing preseason game number four. I don't. I don't well, think he will. It's going to be very I telling. Be surprised because he's on the team. I don't sure. care. Oh, he's, but, it's but not he's like not he's not making the team. No, so. I understand that. But I think it'll be very, and that's be, that'll be a storyline to watch for preseason. We talk about storylines for you know game number four, not that you know uh, entertaining. Watch see if Taven Bryan plays in preseason game number four because if he does, that goes to show you that the coaching staff may not be the happiest with him right now. Yeah, I think that would feel that more like that. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't think he's in any danger. Not at all. No, no. You, you aren't going to cut your first round pick. No. Yeah. No. Usually, you if that. you're lucky, if if you feel good about a guy on the roster, you're not playing that fourth game. But you do need a certain amount of bodies. Sure. Uh, that'll be an interesting one to uh, see. Hey, Coos, do you have uh, the McVeigh sound uh, at all, or do we should we wait for that? You can let us know, but it's not uh, that important. Right now, you just have to let me know. You got it? Uh, okay. Did you see this the other day? I haven't, no. All right. So Saturday uh, Saturday night, the Rams are playing. Yeah. And McVeigh, who already is very fun to listen to, right? People yep. will say, like, he remembers plays. He's got a photographic memory or something because he yeah. remembers plays from, like, five years ago. Exactly the play call. Exactly what happened on the play. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some thing Going into the Super Bowl last year, there's a lot of that kind of talk. Sure. People think he's an offensive genius. He's different. But uh, he comes across just as a cool dude, too. You know, he's just a cool guy. Of course. And in this day, we've had this discussion where I believe football thinks they're, they outsmart themselves sometimes, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Well, Saturday night in the preseason game, they actually had him on the headset, much like they would do for like a major league baseball coach. Okay. You know, in between. Yeah, like do a little in between innings. Yeah, yeah. They'll do a little quick interview. Yeah. Well, you don't see that in football. No. You see a halftime interview, but you don't see it like within a half at all. Well, they put him on the headset. They're talking to him in between plays. This goes on for for quite a while. Sure. But here's a little thing. I wish I would have saw this. Of McVeigh. During the play and during the broadcast, while he's on the sideline coaching, yeah. also on the mic. Joining us on the field is Rams head coach Sean McVay. There you go. As his defense is on the field. Hi, coach. How we doing? Depends on how we do on this first down, man. Looks All like right. we got a 3 deep underneath structure right here. Let's okay. see how we do. We've been good on these early downs after that first drive. So You want to call the play? Oh, let's see what the offense is doing. we got short motion to slot. Looks like it might be a little bluff. Stutter action. Ooh. Great job by Dakota Allen right there, man. He recognized the guard pulled downhill. That's what you loved about him from Texas Tech. That's a big time stop. Talking to Sean McVay down on the field here. He is wearing the headset and coaching All at right. the same time. Split safety match coverage for us. Great job by Darius Williams, man. He just keeps showing up. 
What, what are you and Joe Barry and Wade Phillips going to call defensively here? You know what? I, I think we'll probably play a zone, keep things in front of us with single high. If I was on the headset, I could tell you exactly, but I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> see if we can get off the grass here. Third down and 23, keep things in front of us. A little buzz structure for us. Top it down, Troy Reader. Getting 11 hats in the ball. Good job right there. That's good, though. Force it back inside. Hey, you're pretty good at this, Sean. You sure you don't want to stick around and do this when the offense is on the field? I'll do it with the offense, too. Really? Yeah, I'll stick around. See, we'll, we'll, we'll critique Shane Waldron's play calling. How about Dang. that? I mean, well, how first, I mean, there's a lot of different ways. For, I think it's pretty cool that he did it. I don't yeah. think you're going to find too many coaches to do it. Yeah, there yeah. are a lot of cool coaches out there. This isn't a knock on the rest of you, mm-hmm. uh, but I just don't think you're going to see it very often. Mm-hmm. I also believe what a great test for the preseason to do this kind of stuff where yeah. it is more vanilla. You're not giving anything away. You're talking about a team that just went to the Super Bowl. People are trying to figure out Sean McVay and his offense still, and he's willing to go do it and talk through these plays. Yeah. I mean, that was on the defense, well, but he said he was going to go do the offense, and I yeah. assume he did. Mm-hmm. So, And I didn't listen to that part, but I just thought it was neat, and it also shows you, could we get to a point where we have that feature mm-hmm. in an NFL game? Yeah, that's a... I mean, that was great. Like, I was, I was on Kuski. Keep it rolling, man. That was, that was fantastic. Uh, number one, you can tell who he learned from and John Gruden because he sounds just like he John Gruden. Like Gruden. I, I'll tell you what, man. You know, like, yeah. come on, man. Uh, yeah, that was great. Um, man, the question is, do you, do you allow that type of stuff during like a regular game? And it depends how much I guess you give away, Brent. You know, I mean, I think like for me as a football fan, I was, I loved that. Like I would pay. An extra twenty bucks a year to hear that on the sidelines, as opposed to some commentary. But you might give too much away. I feel like. Well, if you, you know? think about the setups now, like ESPN will do this a lot, national championship game, other games, but they'll have like a channel where you watch it like yep. you normally watch it. Then they'll put on one of their other channels. Mm-hmm. They'll put the coaches talking about it and breaking it down. So there's an element of that. But even the coaches don't know what's called. See, mm-hmm. that's the problem with football, especially, is you don't know what the actual call is. You can assume you do, but we've had these discussions. They're like, hey, what are they doing on this play? Well, I don't really know the call, but if it is this, yeah, you know, yeah. that's kind of how you approach it. Very mm-hmm. few times you know what the actual call is. Therefore, you don't know the assignment exactly so you almost need that inside yeah. to know that and you'd have to have somebody willing to do that i don't know if it would be the head coach i don't know if it would even be a coordinator mm-hmm. but you would you be willing to have that element with somebody that's close enough like the backup quarterback mm-hmm. would the backup quarterback be able to do something like True, that yeah because he knows the offense yeah. he could talk you through do yeah. you ever get to that i would find it highly unlikely yeah. and the paranoia of the nfl that that ever happens yeah. my first thought was blake bortles doing it for well, for the Rams. Uh, to listen to that, it would be kind of fun. I'm sure you would have some <laughs> throwing a little choice words here or there. Uh, but anyway, I thought that was a lot of fun, man. That well, was really cool stuff. And you also mentioned the Rams, man. I was watching a couple of preseason games, and you want to talk about a copycat league. Uh, a lot of teams this year are going to start to run that types, trips, bunch formation that the Rams ran last year. Uh, you know, they throw on that trips out of like a run formation. And I think you'll see a lot of that this year from a lot of different teams. Yeah, and, and you wonder how... Uh, the defenses will react to it because yeah. you know they studied it a bunch exactly. uh, over the last couple of years, especially last year. Hey, Submarine Mike uh, jumping in on balling and falling. Uh, that was a little balling right there with McVay. What you got, man? We're close to the top of the hour, so you might have to make it quick. Okay, balling is Benedetto. Guy's actually racing for his life and almost won the race Saturday night. Just had uh, that was awesome. uh, one little thing go wrong at the end, and he's just – I hope someone picks him up. Hey, hey, Fallen is someone, Gary and South Beach. Hey, Mike, Mike, real quick. The yeah. uh, story with Di Benedetto there is he doesn't have a ride, right? 
Yeah, he just lost his ride because Toyota has a young guy coming up, and that team's a Toyota team, and to keep their Toyota support, you know, he kind of had to give in. Yeah, that was a cool owner. moment. And Denny Hamlin and, um, handled it well. Everybody had nice things to say yep. about him. He'll find a ride. Yep. And following is Gary and South Beach. If you're going to come in and talking crap, then you better be able to answer the questions from the professional once they call. Get him with the whiteboard. Austin, I'll let you go. Thanks, guys. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, man. Uh, A little whiteboard collusion. Yeah. How about that, man? I've mentioned the whiteboard in forever. Oh, I've been, yeah. How are we doing? Not too bad. We're getting back at it. I'm not going to lie. Last week when you were gone, it was, yeah, it was a lot going on, so I didn't do a lot of whiteboard. Sorry. Did I miss a lot last week? I think you were just gone Friday. Friday. It seemed like an eternity, Brent. <laughs> seemed, seemed like an eternity and a half. Uh, more football talk. I catch up with Percy Harvin, former Florida Gator. What he has to say about Miami and Florida playing this weekend. And what he had to say about his career, what I think was probably cut short in the NFL. Injuries, migraines. Mm-hmm. It's all in the way. Plus happy hour award. ESPN 690 rolls on next. What you got on the whiteboard? Almost done. You need to fill me in because I'm eating Skittles. Oh, is that what we're doing today now? Is that dinner? Did you have a workout? Yeah. Dude. I still can't believe that you ate Mentos for dinner last week. I did. Two packages. And I had Skittles that day, too. Uh, did you work out this morning? I did. Okay, how'd that go? Pretty good. And now you're just going to throw out all the, all, all the gains for, for a pack of Skittles. I think I'm getting close to being able to... I think I can bench 200. Okay. I did 185 today like four times. Yeah. I could have done a couple more, probably. There's okay. cookies in the in the kitchen you could have. Oh, yeah? Oh, did, when did those get there? They've been there all day. Thanks for telling me, man. Well, I figured you saw you went and got water, didn't you? Yeah, but I had to the cookies, though. Oh, they're, they're, nice, sure? they're nice to the donuts. Oh, there's donuts there's there, donuts too? donuts and cookies? Well, the donuts kind of look like some seagulls may have been. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, let's go, man. This is, this is balking season. I don't care what anybody said. It's balking season right now, man. Is it? Uh, not really, but it could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we call it fat ball season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. No, I've been pretty good, but... Uh, I don't know. It's just uh, off and on. The, the, the schedule is a little crazy for the eating. Yeah. Right now. I understand uh, that. But, yeah, the Mentos were a pretty good dinner from a calorie standpoint. <laughs> they are the fresh maker. Yeah, but what's that sugar content talking about, bro? Yeah, not good. Yeah. Trying, not good on the Skittles oh, right and, now. And, and we have our cell phone on. Fantastic. No, yeah, you do. Oh, no, that's the, that was the computer. Sorry, oh, okay. Jack's boss. It's all right. I, I was like, I turned down the uh, cell phone. I just want to call you out so everyone knows it's not me. I mean, you're the boss. You can do whatever you that want to do. That was actually Mike texting in from Rena's Pizza. Okay. Unassociated, I think, with uh, with the fact that I'm hungry. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Just a coincidence. But he could send one over if he wants. Fantastic. <laughs> hey, uh, tonight, programming note. Oh, don't lose that whiteboard. Okay. We'll get to <laughs> but programming note, we do have the college football special, special on CBS 47, 8 o'clock until 9 o'clock, and uh, make sure you check it out. Plus, first and 10 training camp on the TV side, CBS 47 and Fox 30 at 11.15. So we got a couple shows for you tonight, one very college-based, one we'll get back to the NFL talk and the Jaguars. And even though training camp is kind of done, we will do our uh, training camp shows uh, that we've been running all camp until this Wednesday. So our camp breaks on Wednesday, and we'll talk more 
Jags as they head into uh, this week against Miami. What you got on the whiteboard? I wish you could have saw my face when you started talking. I was like getting ready to share it with you, and then you started talking about the, the pizza and everything. I was like, aw. Uh, having a dog is an excuse to talk to yourself without seeming crazy. And there's nothing wrong with talking to yourself. You're, you're, yourself's your best friend. Uh, I guess just don't answer yourself, right? No, but there was a uh, – so today when I was buying some protein, there okay. was a lady behind me talking to herself, and it was like – was she answering Real herself, creepy. too? Nah, yeah, but nah, I don't even know. It was just kind of like full-on conversation. Like, I, See, do you t- I talk to myself. Like, not like conversation-wise, but oh. I'll, like, in pa- I'll be like going, say I'll walk into the office, and I might yeah. say something out loud. Like, Let's get this money, Brent. Let's get this money, Brent. <laughs> yeah, it's Let's not go. usually that. <laughs> we get that money. It's usually like, shoot, I forgot to call so-and-so or okay. whatever, you know? Yeah. Hey, see, that's like, fine. Something just jogged my mind. Yeah. But it is kind of fun- funny when you sit, like, you're in the zone, yeah. and you do something like that, and you're walking down the hall. Yeah. Goes, wow. yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, no, like, they're like, what is he talking about? This lady yeah. was full on, like, she had like three or four things and she put them uh, up on the counter right behind me and she's like, all right, well, I'm going to have that for lunch and then, yeah, we can do this for dinner. Oh, and then I'll stop by Publix and we can get that for some dessert. And I like turned around and I was Whoa. like, are you telling Excuse me? me yeah. or? See, I think it's the worst if, you, like, if the, the person answers themselves. Because yeah. then it's like, they're ready to. That's to, too much. Yeah. It's like, all right, ready to have a good day? Yeah, I'm really ready to have a good day. Let's do this. And it's just like back and forth. I mean, I talk to yeah. myself, too. There's chances you're passing by my office. You're going to hear me saying some, really? some choice words most of the time. Okay. Only time I talk to myself when I'm playing video games, man. Then I get frustrated. Yeah. So you got to vent that frustration. Uh, you said what's trending right now. Uh, not that we do a trending segment, <laughs> but you do at night on uh, WAPE. And that's why it's the uh, most popular evening show in town. But uh, Popeyes or Chick-fil-A chicken oh, sandwich? We well, they were tweeting. Is that the thing? Each other. Like, Chick-fil-A put something out there saying that, you know, you obviously have to have the pickle with your fried chicken sandwich and then Popeyes. And I mean, they're just. Well, you have to start from the beginning of where this all happened. I don't People even know. People may not know. But that's, oh, a, that, that's the other thing. You're supposed to have your finger on the hey, pulse of. I'm catching up to it. How are you catching up? How do <laughs> I know this and nobody else does? See, that was I, good, I thought yeah. you did that on purpose. Uh, not really, but once you looked up, I went, oh, Brent, that's a good plug. He's, he's not Stuart Weber. Uh, Brent <laughs> Weber would have definitely my, said it. You didn't yeah. see my comment about the uh, jalapenos today then. No, I definitely didn't see anything like that. How do you know what's going on with the Chick-fil-A and the Popeyes? Because I just, I just was catching so, on to it. Brent, so Popeyes released a chicken sandwich. Is that That's the thing. And... It's a game changer, supposedly. I think even like the grilled sandwich tastes like it's deep fried. I don't know how they did it, but it's a game changer. So now like Popeyes and Chick Fil A are going back and forth because you know Chick Fil A, the original chicken sandwich. So uh, there's like a big debate going on right now. Well, we haven't tried the Popeyes one. No, we haven't yet because it's new. No, it sounds like we need to call somebody and have those delivered here. I do like Chick Fil A. Yeah, Chick Fil A is great. Chick Fil A Chick Fil A feels like I'm not eating fast food. Mm, yeah, because I, guess I, guess that's the, I think because I had the grilled chicken. Okay, I got you. you know, I got so you. you can, okay. Not, I think everybody has the grilled yeah. chicken, but a lot of grilled chicken still feels like it's fast food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chick Fil A doesn't, and especially because they're so nice too, right? It's like they are it's, nice. it's like upscale fast. Food. I always say if I get fired, yeah, I think I'm gonna go work for Chick Fil A. You're not gonna pass that background check though, because they're they are <laughs> strenuous in that background check, and I'm sure I something get would come off. Off. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You get Sundays <laughs> off, and see to me. Taco Bell, for whatever reason, like doesn't seem like fast food to me. It's like, you know, if, if I'm in a rush and it's during the week, it's not one of my cheap meals. I'm like, I can just go to Taco Bell, get a couple of tacos. It's healthy <laughs> enough. And that's that's what I tell myself at least. So, um, the one thing about uh, Popeyes, yeah, like the red beans and rice, yeah, awesome. Dirty oh, rice, everything's good. Dirty rice. 
I mean, the chicken's great too, but the yeah. dirty rice, I love, like, I'll go through and just get the dirty rice. Have you been to the original Popeyes in New, uh, New Orleans? No. On, oh man. Their menu's completely, like, off the charts. Is it really? Yeah, it's, like, completely different. Legit. I'm surprised I haven't. Yeah, crop, they had crawfish there, man. I'll be honest with you, when I'm there, I only ever make it to Willie's Chicken, which is right on Bourbon Street. I'm surprised you were, yeah, you can walk to that place. (laughs) All right, how about, uh, wash down a little chicken sandwich with some Vita de Louis tequila? It's happy hour, horn time. Grab a drink, get a shot, and tip your star tenders. Yeah, locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville, made in tequila, Mexico. Shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Louis tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit VitaDeLouis.com. You can order Vita de Louis tequila right there on VitaDeLouis.com. Drink responsibly. Percy Harvin, what a talent, man. Yeah. What an unbelievable talent. He's had his issues uh, from, you know, the, the fight stories at Florida and Gainesville to... Uh, more stories in the NFL, I think, at times. Uh, who knows? Maybe there's a tell-all book someday. But you can't deny the talent. And then at the end of it, there's the migraines and the injuries. And, in fact, I caught up with uh, Percy on Saturday uh, Saturday evening at Palm Beach Autographs. He was doing a signing for Gator fans, and or for any fans, but a lot of Gator fans showed up. And he had just had uh, hip surgery Dang. on his, uh, like, the labrum on the hip. I guess I never really heard the labrum hip. I always hear labrum shoulder. Yeah, but it makes but sense. It's I, joint yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just didn't hear that. I, I was like, whoa, you get your hip replaced? No, no, no. It's just labrum. It's still pretty uh, serious, though, it, man. Pretty serious. <laughs> yeah. But he was moving a little bit. He had just had it this week. Okay. Uh, he had been hel- he's been taking classes in Gainesville. Uh, he try- he still have has quite a few credits to to get, but he's going to sure. do it. He's trying to do it, and also was around the football team a little uh, in the spring and in the summer. But uh, Percy Harvin, one of the great talents, really. You played when he played. Yeah. I mean, he's one of those guys that you kind of probably talk about. There's few guys that you talk about other teams, and yeah. you know, and you might see like a highlight, or or when you're in the locker room, NFL Network's on or something, or ESPN's on, and you say, "Dude, that guy, so, he's got a different gear. Like he's yeah. he's on the jo- he's one of those players that looks like you're playing the video game on the joystick. So you know, being back you in, to say joystick anymore in video uh, game, man, I hope not. Controller. <laughs> Yeah, controller sticks. But I think the joystick was is fun way to kind of illustrate how all good I, the guy could yeah, be. Yeah, but all I picture you is like playing an Atari. But I it's know, all but good. like if you can't describe like how Percy Harvin plays by saying, yeah, he's one of those guys. If you hit the A button, the X button, the whatever button, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. easier to describe him as the joystick. Well, he's got you know a lot what? of juke he's stick a, moves. What was he's it? A human joystick. The, the right, yeah. It was called the hit stick. Oh, the hit stick. You're right. Yeah. Welcome to 2019. Well, that changed at one point when and it went from an offensive game to a defensive game. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I haven't played Madden in like <laughs> six years. <laughs> but no, with, with Percy Harvin, though, Brent, so you got to remember, like, we, you know, I, think, I can't remember when he left Florida. It might have been during Tebow or a year. It was, or yeah, like, okay. 08. So, like, would have been 09 into 09. Sure, sure. So, like, back though in those days, you know, there, there wasn't Twitter. Um, Facebook was, was a thing, but... It wasn't really videos, right? So, like, if you wanted to see how good a football player was or, like, if you wanted to hear a legend of somebody, you go on YouTube. And I'll never forget, there's two guys in their their, their highlight films on YouTube back in college that, like, just left you in awe. 
and one was Reggie Bush, yeah, and the other was Percy Harvin. Yeah, good call. And and I remember like you know being at Murray State, and all of a sudden we you know we it would be at a party or something like, hey, put up those Percy Harvin highlights, and so we would watch him play, man, and it's just. It's absolutely insane what that guy was able to do with his body. Like you said, I mean, the, the human joystick, if you will. And um, it's just unfortunate that his career was cut short due to those migraines, man. And then I said it before on the show, I, I couldn't imagine. Because, like, yeah, I, I played with headaches and things like that. but And I've never really had a migraine, per se. But I've heard it's, like, one of the worst pains ever. And then to, to put a football helmet on and then go collide with people. There's no way. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. tough. Uh, talented, talented guy. Caught up with him Saturday night at Palm Beach Autographs. Gator fans were happy to see him. He's doing well. My conversation on a little bit of everything with Percy Harvin. Is it something cool about Gator Nation that still wants to meet and see and, and get an autograph from Percy Harvin? Uh, absolutely. It's, it's humbling um, to, to know after all these years you played that these this many people still come out and support me. Um, I've always told people uh, throughout my playing days, um, that the, the Gator fan base, along with the, the Minnesota Vikings fan base, were my two loyalist fan bases. Um, so I love them. Um, I'm living down in Gainesville. I'm enjoying it. Uh, the city's accepted me, so uh, it's been great. What's it like to be in the trenches again in Gainesville? Not necessarily on the field, but you're going to class, and, and I know you've hung around the football mm-hmm. field a bit. Uh, it, it's been different, um, but it's been cool um, to see the city grow um, since I've been there, um, to see the community grow. Um, the, the restaurants, um, it, it totally looks different. So it's been a pleasure to kind of come back and see how the city grows and, you know, see how um, some of those championships we want to see the the, uh, the production of, a, of it. You're walking across campus, people are like, hey, wait a minute, double take there. Is that Percy? I don't do too many walking across campuses, but uh, just in the stores, you can kind of get the double take. So I try to hide behind my wife or kind of turn around, um, but um, definitely get the double looks. But uh, for the most part, um, the city, um, they they don't uh, harass me too much. Um, if they see me, uh, they come up. Um, but they know when to kind of ease up and, and let me kind of be myself and, and kind of chill out at the same time. Pretty cool. How fond were those days of you? Um, were how fond of those days are you uh, now that it's such a memory instead of reality and your football career is over? Man, those was uh, those three years. My tell you, those are three best years of my life. Um, I said it then, um, playing in it, and I've um, playing in the NFL. Um, I've said it then too, uh, playing with a couple of my teammates towards the end, Deontay Thompson, um, towards the end, playing with them at Buffalo. That's all we reminisce on. Um, after that practice, we would get in the car and just take rides, and it was like, yo. Do you really believe what we did, like how many athletes we had and the Rainies and the Demps? And it was like, man, how we all got touches? And I'm just like, man, I don't know. But we definitely all recognized it was a special group of talent um, that we played with. Um, and it was very, very special. Now, let's do a quick lightning round here. Uh, favorite memory of a game uh, from 06, 08, uh, 07? <laughs> um, 06, it been when Jarvis Moss blocked the uh, field goal. Um, I think we were playing... Auburn at home, um, that was a play that sent us into to play for the national championship. Uh, we were losing, uh, we needed a block, and I remember it was the last play, and, and Jarvis blocked it, and um, just the, 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 the stadium went crazy, and um, that was one of my best memories yeah, in the swamp. That, that, people say that was the loudest, that block, the loudest they've ever heard it. It was the loudest, definitely, in my memory. If anybody can um, have a play that they can dispute, I would definitely like to see it. How good did you play in that national championship game in 08? I know uh, you guys as a team were great. Tebow gets a ton of love. But I think a lot of people remember that game for what Percy Harvin did, too. Uh, I think I played my part. Um, I just um, I, I did what 
what, what the game plan allowed me to do. Um, I didn't try to do too much or too little. I just did my part. Um, you know, I let Timmy um, lead us, and, um, you know, he always came to me when it was time, and um, I always thrived and um, appreciated him for that. Gators and Canes coming up on Saturday. A little rivalry renewed. Do you like that? Love it. Um, and I think uh, the last time we played them, we won. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we still up on one. How about uh, Florida, Georgia here in Jacksonville? Favorite memory? Favorite memory, um, I got two. Um, one was uh, when they did they touchdown dance, and then uh, when we countered back, when the coach Meyer, I think we was I forgot how much we was winning by, he called like three timeouts in a row just to kind of let it sink in. So uh, just to seeing the look on their face, uh, returning the favor, uh, definitely was one of my favorites. You had a great collegiate career. You really had some nice moments in the NFL. I mean, uh, injuries, the migraines. It's do you wish it didn't get cut short on you? I'm gonna say no. Um, just everything happens for a reason. Um, I'm at peace uh, with where I'm at in my life. Um, so no, I haven't. I haven't wished I would still be playing. Um, I just take it for what it was, knowing that I played the hardest I could. Um, I gave it all I could, and um, I'm on to the next phase of my life. Harvin, uh, cut, catching up with Percy Harvin over the weekend, and uh, back at school. Man, that guy could play. Uh, we just talked about it. Gators and Canes coming up on Saturday. We'll have it covered for you on the TV side especially, but all week we'll talk about that game as uh, the lead-up gets ready for the college football season opener, 150 years of it. One more friendly reminder tonight, 8 o'clock, CBS 47. We have an hour football preview on the TV side on CBS 47, the entire Action Sports Jacks crew. I think you'll like that one all over the state of Florida. Just about every team that plays football will be talking about them, not just Gators and Canes heavy uh, for an hour tonight in prime time. When we come back, a guy that needs to call more baseball games. Yes. Stay in your lane, still ahead. And a couple of other things like mercy rule in baseball. Should it exist? I got thoughts. Yeah, all in the way on ESPN 690. Welcome back here on a Monday, 525-ish. Brett Barno, Austin Lane. Who's is here? We might be playing some fantasy football. That's the word in the street. I hear you've been doing some research. Well, uh, I've been setting it up for everybody. Yeah, you have. Just got to have to go over some final uh, few details here. I'm just uh, debating whether to play depending on how much money I can make or trophy. How big it is. <laughs> uh, why not both? Yeah, Have maybe. a trophy and, and some money. I like it. I like I'm, the idea. I'm getting into it right now with my one back home. There's some controversy going on in the Uh-oh. fact that I have the advantage of working for a sports station now. So everyone's trying to change the rules on me and everything. I love that. Real, real high stakes uh, back in the Wisconsin Fantasy Football League there. So I, we're trying to add two people to our league. So And it's a keeper league. What are you so going, 12 to 14? 14, but everyone's allowed to keep two people. And so now a lot of people are claiming we shouldn't be allowed to keep so the two people coming in can have yep. a fair shot at some players. Yep. A lot of controversy, Brent. Here, here's the deal about... Maybe you should stay I away from this I lifestyle. Played, I haven't played I fantasy football a lot. Stay away from this, Brent. But even my uh, my kids won like their fantasy football league, and they're like, "Ah, oh, you guys were cheating." They're like, "I don't look at fantasy football." Yeah. I guarantee you, 
I guarantee you, you can name more people on opposing teams, like in the NFC West, yeah. than I can. <laughs> because you watch, you play fantasy football. Like, yeah. that's why you know them. Like, why do I need to know? If the Jags aren't playing the Arizona Cardinals, I could care less who their third wide receiver is. I Christian don't need Kirk. to know. Yeah. You know? Yep. I, you know. Uh, well, it might be him or Andy Isabella, who, by the way, uh, is dominating. He's playing pretty playing well. Playing pretty well, yes. Uh, but, you know, that's the thing. Like, I don't know it. I don't yeah. pay attention. I have no idea who the third running back is on sure. whoever. And it just, uh, I don't have to know that. Yeah. Well, now I might have to know that. You might have to know a little uh, bit. Especially if we're going to play a little fantasy. It, do, it is interesting. Or it does don't help you win. know that stuff. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and pay attention uh, yeah. to it. Speaking of knowing some things, or lack thereof, and we had some great moments over the weekend. Sean McVay, we already played. Yes. And we don't usually do this, go like kind of on the national side, but no, this thing but was we're awesome. all over the place, yeah. I mean, Bill Walton is a national treasure. Yes. What, a, what an odd... Like, he, he's almost, like, indescribable. Like, this whole thing. Like, he went from being UCLA dominant. <sighs> yeah. You know, NBA wins with the Boston Celtics. Yeah. The redhead. Yeah. To now be in this Grateful Dead character. <laughs> that's But that's just, like, lovable. Like, you can't not like him, can yeah. you? I mean, he's so out there, like, I'm actually intrigued by it. He's, yeah. he's In that sense, he's kind of like Charles Barkley. Where he's become like this icon that just because well, of his bizarre nature. I, I think, uh, you know, to quote Hunter S. Thompson here, uh, he's too weird to live and too rare to die. And then that's <laughs> what I think about when I think of, of Walton. Yeah. He's, I mean, uh, he's one of a kind. He's fascinating, man. He's so different. We like different. Everything, if it's if you got a little different, most of the time that's pretty good. Absolutely. You know, especially in different. this kind of business. Yeah. And. So the whole deal is he goes and do, does a baseball game, mm-hmm. and obviously usually does basketball games. But even on the basketball games, he's like out there, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. And so now he comes into the booth and he does a baseball game, Chicago White Sox playing, and and uh, against the Angels and Trout. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do, if you haven't heard it yet, is take a listen. Okay, come on, let's rip one out of here right now. Yeah. Oh, oh my, Sandoval. Greatest defensive play I've seen tonight. Come on, Lucas. Here we go. Your uncle's here. Come on. Figure yes. out a way. There's base We're hit. on our way. Is that the catcher? It is. I'm not a very good catcher. I'm much better at getting high than getting low. Uh-huh. Oh, that's outside. Good eye. Good patience. Good discipline. Way to hold back. Don't get suckered in on that nonsense. Can you tell that pitcher to bring it right in here, and we'll go man to man right now and see who's got power, see who's got heat. Oh, yes, go! Over the fence, come on, please! Oh, Upton man, the so close. Here we go, Sox, take me out to the ball game. I don't care if I ever come back. Give me some penis, Cracker Jacks. How about hot dogs for everybody? You like hot dogs, Chase? Oh, man. Dude, and, I, I couldn't stop laughing. I mean, there were so oh, many of them. Yeah. But the one that was, that was classic, too, is there's a pop-up, basically, to left field. And he thought and it was going. Get out of here! Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, so that I reminds mean, me. It was like 20 feet over shortstop. That is yeah. me anytime anybody hits the oh, ball when I'm watching TV. Uh, I'm like, oh, that's gone. And so, as a former like baseball guy, it's like the worst thing is being yeah. around people, oh, like, especially in a stadium. What and they're I, like, it's a pop-up to shortstop. Like, oh, God! 
Oh, one one of my very first experiences at a Brewers game. Actually, my first experience at Miller Park when they opened up the new one, uh, the new uh, ballpark there. Uh, sitting next to playing the Dodgers, sitting next to this belligerent drunk guy, and uh, Dodgers up to bat, and I forgot who the batter was, but basically it hit a routine pop fly. But as soon as he hit, the guy goes, "See ya!" And it was like. Well, no, it, it's it's a pop fly, sir. It's coming back down. Don't worry about that. That guy says uh, every time Tiger Woods hits it, get in the hole, too. Yeah, probably. exactly. But uh, Bill Wall, no, man, that was that was great stuff. Yeah, and you know, yeah, you know what? I mean, yeah, obviously it says the outlandish stuff, and um, like you, like you always say, he's <laughs> rough around the edges. But it's also the passion that he brings. You know, like this is kind of a foreign sport, I feel like. But he was excited to be there, and then I think people uh, people want to feed off that enthusiasm, that excitement. He's smart enough to kind of get his character too. Exactly. You know, he's yeah. reached that point. Like you yeah. didn't know for a long time. You're like. Is this guy really just this far out there? Has he really been like in Colorado and Seattle that long? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. But uh, now you can tell that he just understands the character, that exactly. Draw, that it works. He completely and, embraces it and totally embraces it and, and goes crazy with it. And the guys, but what a challenge! The people that have to work with him. And I think it's Dave Pash is the other one uh, that usually oh, does the college basketball. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He's, you know, the funny thing about that whole marriage, if you will, mm-hmm. is that Bill Walton's seven feet tall and Pash is like four foot ten. Yeah. He's like Tim Kirkshen size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the whole thing just works. Yeah. It's just a match made in heaven, uh, and they probably but, didn't even plan for it. To but be. you have to have that chemistry, though, Brent, right? Because Bill uh, he's great is, with him. But he's not an easy guy to get along with, you no, know, oh, because he's, like, he, he goes off on these tangents, and you need a guy to reel him back in. So, like you said, it is a match made in heaven. Those guys don't get enough credit. The play-by-play guys like that are with Walton or maybe yeah. even with Dick Vitale. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys – and um, that's not a knock on the Walton and Vitale. They're great, oh. and the, they have their own style, but it's so different yep. than just a normal flow of a, of a game. That yeah. they probably grew up on. You've got to be talented. You, they don't get enough credit for how good those guys are to be able to yeah. allow Walton and Vital and, and people like that to do their thing. Because you have to think about it. Like, not only are you calling the game and what's happening and trying to paint the picture, but then you're also trying to wrangle in Walton or Dick Vital. You're trying to let them be themselves, but at the same time, you have to let them wrangle them in a little bit too, you know, yeah. so you can uh, continue with the broadcast. It's a little bit like you sometimes, you know. you got to sure let them go walk out to the ledge and then reel them back in. <laughs> Just don't let me jump Brent okay we'll try to to go we'll try to reel you back in as well uh when we come back action sports jacks on ESPN 690 rolls on would you like to see a mercy rule in major league baseball I've got an idea use a regular baseball (laughs) then you wouldn't have to worry about it I'm gonna have to wrangle you in here this next segment that's next plus stay in your lane on ESPN 690 Take me out to the ball game. I don't care if I ever come back. Give me some penis, Cracker Jacks. How about hot dogs for everybody? You like hot dogs, Jason? Hey, welcome back here on a Monday. Man, these shows fly by. Tomorrow, uh, there's a good chance I'll be down in South Florida. I'm going a day in advance of the team. And uh, hopefully we'll be doing the show from down in the Fort Lauderdale area. That's where we're staying. And then, of course, Wednesday, be there as well. Thursday, live from Hard Rock Stadium. We were talking about this today. Do you like Hard Rock Stadium? Have you seen it with the, the new roof that they've put on? You haven't seen I it? Haven't, no. took a, take a look from uh, like above. And what they did is basically put like the canopy. I mean, it's not a canopy, but it looks like it could is okay um, over the stadium because of the sun. You know, something that actually Shad Khan and the Jaguars initially put out, I, I forget what year, it might have been 2000, 
2013, maybe it was 2014, but they, in terms of their big ideas down the road, they never just said, hey, we, we want this next year. It was like these ideas that we could have down the road because that uh, east side of the stadium mm-hmm. is so sunny, mm-hmm. especially early first half of games and, and in September and, and, heck, even sometimes in October, it's so hot. Yeah. And that's also where a lot of times the camera points. So the fans are kind of up in the clubs or the concourses or getting away from the heat, rightfully so. But, you know, someday do they put a canopy of sorts or a, a roof of sorts over the stadium? Well, they introduced that uh, back in like 13 or 14. I don't know what it was. at one of the state of the franchises. And then two years ago, Miami did it to their stadium, essentially, yeah. something like that. And I'm convinced that Miami folks saw sure. saw the pictures. Now, yeah. maybe they've been thinking of it for 10 or 12 years. I don't know the backstory, but it was just interesting, the timing. Like three years after they showed that image, yeah. Miami had something like it. And yeah. they were it was just the time they were doing that kind of renovation to their stadium. And they did, I think, like uh, they did a bunch of renovation and they did it in phases. And that included that little rooftop that I've they put on there. I've only been to that stadium once and it was hot. I remember it was really hot. We were we were down there for uh, that's where uh, Miami and uh, Gators played the f- last four years ago, right? Would have been yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was down there for that, and it was hot. I remember we're sitting in the sun. You're just like cooking. Well, that's what happens. Yeah, I mean it's it's down it was, here. That's what happens. I hey. forgot when Green Bay played. I think it was 2015, 16. One of uh, those would have been now uh, that opener of yeah. 2016. I'm. I think it was 16. Yeah, I had some uh, friends and family coming from Wisconsin to, to watch the game. And, uh, you know, Tyson Alalu set us up with some tickets. That was great of him. And uh, <laughs> they lasted about a half of a quarter before we were in the atrium just hanging out because yeah. they couldn't take that heat, man. It's tough. It gets intense. It's yeah. really, really That's tough. And it's rough. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it can be an advantage. It's That's, also now they've got a lot of 4 o'clock games yeah, that happen. Yeah. Uh, Listen, that's why I'm a big proponent that Jaguars might have a good shot against the Chiefs week one. And once again, we'll talk about that later on. But um, that is a huge advantage. Make no mistake about it. That heat. They certainly got conditioned for it over these last few weeks in terms of what they had to deal with on the practice field. It's been hot, uh, obviously, in uh, Florida. Some people don't like that Hard Rock Stadium, the look of it. So with the roof, it'll be the first time I've gone to it like that. I didn't go to the game last year uh, when the Jaguars uh, beat the Dolphins, but... Uh, we'll see. And we'll see if the Jaguars get something like that down the road. All right. One, one more baseball, uh, actually two more baseball things struck me, uh, this weekend. You mentioned Little League World Series to us, I think, in, in the mm-hmm. break. It is amazing what ESPN can create and make into a big deal. If you think about the history of ESPN and what they've been able to do, uh, and how much they've grown and obviously they're they call themselves a worldwide leader, but they really are, yes. you know, from a sports perspective. They have 15 million channels. They have all these different things. They've got so much going on. They have us, Brent. They have That's us. all you need. But, like, Little League World Series, at its core, to me, is a little bit of a farce. Okay. Now that I've kind of – I grew up in that area. Yeah. And, I, and it was a big deal. Sure. So to some communities, some states, some regions, it's a huge deal yeah. to go. Yeah. Now that I've seen my little guys and girl grow up playing ball here and I've seen ball, it's like, all right, that is not like the best baseball going. 
Oh, no, I agree with that. You know, and yeah. I think you grow up and you're like, oh, that's the best of the best. I was I mean, wondering where playing, this is going. They're yeah. playing Taiwan and Italy and Australia yeah. and Puerto Rico. And, you know, they're playing, that's the best of the best. Well, it's not. Well, I mean, let's just be honest. It's not. I mean, there there are teams around here that would beat those teams that are yes. all there, like, hands down. I'm not saying they would beat them all. I'm mm-hmm. just saying they could compete and beat, and they're not even from... Yeah, it might just be a small collection from a park around here that yeah. could beat them. Well, and I don't know the percentages, but I think it's a pretty low percent uh, of kids that play like in the Little League World Series that actually get drafted to the Major League Baseball. It is, right? but like, there has been some. No, I mean, I know there's some. I mean, of course Great there's going to be some. Yeah. yeah, but I think overall, though, I think it's more likely than not that they're not going to be major leaguers. Yeah, and probably not even like big-time college players or anything yeah. like that. But mm-hmm. but you have your select few. Yeah. So anyway, it's it's a bit, if it's it's kind of sold as that. Mm-hmm. I think to the outside, but it's really not that. But what ESPN has done is made this thing just a spectacle. Mm-hmm. I mean, it per- falls in a perfect time slot where yeah. it's preseason football only. It leads right into college football. There's really not a ton. It fits their TV window, puts games on, and I mean, my kids are into it. They're watching it. I've been watching it. I've watched it for years. And then ESPN and Major League Baseball now bring in the whole the big league game. Yeah. You know, and the Cubs and the Pirates. But even if you watched their coverage yesterday, ESPN made that coverage. I mean, they got Joe Madden and Rizzo covering the sliding coverage. down yeah. the yeah, sliding yeah. down the grass. They get them to do that stuff. You yeah, know, it's, yeah. it just makes you think ESPN can make an event so big. I mean, they've I believe ESPN's really helped the NBA out because they got a contract with the NBA in the last decade, mm-hmm. and so they talk NBA. Yeah, you know. You'll see it. If they have golf, they'll talk golf. If they don't have golf for a month, they won't talk a lot of golf. Oh, same I mean, look at MMA. They didn't even discuss MMA until they signed with And them. that's why it could be a big boom yeah. for MMA, yeah, it, yeah. for the popularity. Yep. So it, it just hit me again last night. So I'm watching this Little League game, and they've got 15 people there. they got Ross, who played for Madden, and um, they got Buster Olney in there. they got Alex Rodriguez there. they got all these people there pumping up this Little League World the Series. Like, like it is the... It's the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. And it's just not. But mm. it's amazing that they do. And I'm not criticizing them for doing it. It's a cool spectacle. It's kind of neat to see. It's a great experience for the kids. The only downfall of it, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, I just feel like now the kids, there's a celebrity about them that's a little too much. Don't, you know make, what I mean? don't, don't make a mistake. Well, it's, it's don't make yes. a, I mean, I'm saying because well, you, 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 you showed yeah, me that, the, <laughs> the first pitch and how they, the kid dropped it. Yeah. And that's the downside, right? It gets yeah. so much exposure that people on social media now rip the kids. They're 12 years old. They're 11 years that old. That poor kid was getting ripped so hard. Yeah. Nobody's safe on the but, Internet. No, nobody's safe, but that's, they're exposed undefeated. to it. Like, we wouldn't have seen that before. But ESPN makes it so big. Yeah. And now social media helps make it so big that these kids are getting blasted for dropping a ball. Yeah, <laughs> It's like now these kids, now 11 and 12 year old kids have to act like perfect. True. And they've got to be perfect, which is a shame of it. So there's always this downside. And you see some of the interviews and even the kids are coached up on the interviews. You can tell, man. I mean, they're like, it's like, it's like they had better soundbite than an NFL player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, gosh, this is so like manufactured. Yeah, it's not generic. Yeah, it's it's just just, yeah. just let them be kids. Like I always say about high school football, I like the genuine nature of it. Yeah. There is a bit of it. I'm not yeah. saying it's all manufactured yeah. at the Little League stuff, but there is an element that's like, okay, is this real or is this kid just ha- like reading I a was, cue card? I was watching one game and it said because they have like the, the fast facts, you know. The kid's favorite book was Lay Miserable, whatever that book Miserable. is. Yeah, it's a rob. What Miserable? Yeah, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Hey, can uh, we? 
there's a book, Les Miserables? Or is it the play? Me? Isn't there a book? There's got to be the book. I thought it was a oh, the, no, the it's, musical. It's a book, Brit. It's a book, Brit. It's a book. Come on, man. I'm still stuck on the Miserable. Hey, I went to public school. Get off Les Miserables. Hey, so I've seen it. By the way, because yeah, of the way you said that, over that, we though. should make you watch Les Miserables. No, it's like no, three hours long. It. It's, it's a musical, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we're all set. We're good. It's actually yeah, pretty it's good. It's definitely a book, too, by the way. So it is a book? Yeah. So step your game up, Mr. Marno. Hmm. I've seen Les Miserables. Yeah, Miserable. Les Miserable. Les Miserables. Yep. All right. <laughs> I'm not French. Sorry. Uh, stay in your lane. Austin it is French, should, right? certainly should. It's France, right? It's next. Is it France? Somebody? Okay. <laughs> You got a little whiteboard action. Yeah. Sorry, it says sorry to all of our lay. What is it? What is it? Miserable. Miserable maniacs out there. Didn't mean to offend anybody. It is a tough one to say. Lay Miserable. There it is. It certainly isn't the way you said it at first. Well, whatever. Did you have to read it? I had to read it in high school. Did you really? I mean, I got to the part with with the bread. Something about some bread, right? I think. Kuz, did you read that book? He's not listening. I think yeah, there is something about the bread. There's something about some bread. Hey, did you ever read, read that book, Lay Miserable? Yep, no. that one. <clears throat> yeah. Have you seen the musical? No. My parents took us to the musical Yeah. when we were kids. So that was like the first one I think I'd ever really seen like in person. Yep. Uh, like a Broadway kind of play. It wasn't in, Bro- it was in Providence, but okay. uh, they brought it to Providence. And I actually didn't mind it. Like, it was all right. Huh. But... Like the music was good, and the yeah. and the the woman who who sang, she was phenomenal. She had a set of pipes. So on her. it was yeah. like, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, I, I can respect that. Yeah. Um, but then once she got to about two hours and twenty minutes in, all right, is this thing ever going to end? I mean, they're long. Yeah. yeah. Or isn't there like intermission? Like, it's like two oh, there's like two of them. them. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, I can only eat so many Skittles. <laughs> Brent's tasting all the rainbow, uh, and then some. Uh, but it wasn't bad. I didn't realize it was a book, too. Obviously, everything has a book. I think so it started out as a book, yeah. Probably did. A little history uh, lesson for everybody out there. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right. Brent Martin, Austin Lane. One uh, last question, then stay in your lane. Actually, okay. I'll save the question. You go stay in your lane so you get your stuff in. All right. Cool. Thanks, man. I uh, could ask this tomorrow if I had to. Cruise control. Uh, and I, I kind of teased it a little happy, bit. But, but uh, Max Holloway. Um, listen, Brent, in terms of fighting, it's one of the roughest sports there is because even when you're at the top of your game, if you make one mistake, uh, it can be all over. You can lose your sponsorships, you can lose the notoriety, and you can lose a lot of money. And um, I thought Max Holloway summed up uh, his good friend Daniel Cormier losing better than anybody ever has after a loss. And here's what he said. This is off his Instagram, by the way. It's Blessed MMA uh, Instagram. I can't even remember how DC entered my life. He's like the kid who sits at your lunch table and talks to you uh, to see if he can get some food from you. Now here we are, my big brother. Big brother to Khabib, captain to AKA, which is the gym that he trains at. Coach at Gilroy High. Legacy isn't about the belts you take from the sport. It's about what you leave behind. So many of us here chasing things ourselves, and DC's been out here chasing the lunch tables, finding the next generation he can pay it forward to. I don't know what DC's family will decide to do, but I know he's, he has nothing left to prove. And even if he did, we'll all still be providing here him every day at that lunch table. And when we're, and when we're done, it'll be some kids from Gilroy taking our spots, still proving what doesn't have to be proven anymore, that DC is still and will always be the number one pound for pound daddest man on the planet bruce buffer doesn't need you in there to do his job but i need you to do mine rest up and get back to the lunch table big brother i love you um 
And listen, I, I get from the casual fan that may not give you chills, but I think from anyone that's been in the fight game, um, what he had to say about his good friend, uh, you know, and inspiration and Daniel Cormier was pretty cool. Well, so. I think what's interesting always strikes me is a sport that they beat the heck out of each other, and there is this, yeah. uh, like I say about football sometimes, yeah. mutual respect uh, once you're done, you know. Yep. Um, and I know that from an opponent's standpoint, that wasn't the case there. Sure. More from an admiration standpoint. Yeah. Uh, see, there's a sensitive side. There's the a sensitive side, absolutely. And listen, we'll see if Daniel Cormier is indeed done or if he comes back to try to get that belt one more time. But, you know, it's a guy who's in his 40s now who's obviously on the back nine of his career, but he may have one more left in him. Pump your brakes. Pump your brakes. Oh, Brent, I got a couple questions for you because I don't know the answers. So Matt Patricia, uh, he had his, like I guess, his knee scoped this off season. Um, Brent, why does Lions coach Matt Patricia drive an ATV on the field during practice to get from field to field? Uh, why doesn't he just, you know, use a scooter or a golf cart? And then why does he take said ATV, a.k.a. four-wheeler, and have it shipped to Houston this past week when the team practiced the Texans as in a joint practice? Why not just get an ATV at a different store and rent it for a couple of days? Why would you have it shipped? Answer me these questions, Brown. It's his uh, lucky ATV. Okay. I don't know. Okay, yeah. I, I didn't mean, see I the story. So. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. It, it was from last week. But, yeah, apparently Matt Patricia, um, coming off of a minor knee surgery, uh, has been driving a four-wheeler all around practice uh, because of the knee. And instead of using a golf cart or something that's a little less aggressive, he chose to have that ATV shipped down to Houston for the joint practices. So <laughs> I don't know. Money's not a thing in the NFL. I get that. It really is. <laughs> pump your brakes. On, pump your uh, brakes. Go, go rent an, uh, an ATV Just, from a I don't local know, place. A golf cart or maybe crutches. You know. I mean, whatever, man. Uh, I'm, I'm not a head coach. So I don't know. You to sit on the on the high on the pedestal. Yep. So now, what was your thing? Okay. Uh, I think it was Aaron Boone that said he might be in favor of a mercy rule yeah. in big league baseball. I want to think this one out, and I, I'm not well, I'm sure. Not. I t- I'm not sure I will say right away, what is he talking about? I think that's initial reaction. Come on, really? But do you see how many guys now are throwing that are position players? That's just, is is it a mockery of the game? Is it too much? It used to be like it was a thing, like, hey, if a position player got in, it might happen once or twice in a season, it felt like. Yeah. Now it's happening once or twice a week because they don't even want to burn guys' arms, and they get to bullpen so quickly. Because starters don't go as long. So it's really a domino effect here. But if it is... Should we get a violin for Brent right now making up these excuses? Well, if it's these 17, to, 17 to 2... Listen, you're the New York Yankees and you spent $217 million on the roster this year. Cry me a river when you when you lose a game 19 to 5 against the Indians. Cry me a river. Don't lose 19 to 5. How does that sound? See, like, I'm from the, the philosophy, and I get it. In like, Little League, there's the mercy rule. Softball, there's the mercy rule. Not quite sure how college works. Uh, college is not a mercy rule. Yeah. So, like, what we teach in my not house, what we, what we teach in the lane residence, where if you start something, you finish it, and I don't care how bad it goes, you finish it. You see it through. So, baseball, finish it through. Yeah, I think they will, too. I don't think I they'll hope so. I mean, but it is one of those things where people grow up with it, so it's not that different. But you're right; yeah. college is kind of a cutoff. But I think even in high school they might have a mercy rule. Yeah. So, uh, and I know on the travel circuit they have a mercy rule. Yeah. So it's something that wouldn't be that different of an adaptation. Two hundred seventeen million dollars. You can't even finish a baseball game. Give me a break. He's a little cranky today. I am. A little bit. Hey. That's, that's South Beach Gary. What would we talk about, Bill Walton? We call it passion, Brent. Passion. We call it passion, man. Hey, we'll do it again. I might be. 
with you from South Beach tomorrow. <laughs> Tell Gary I say what's up. Thanks for listening, and check us out on TV, 8 o'clock special on CBS 47 College Football Kickoff. Have a good night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.